Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, this is Jordy Collada from the Jordy Collada Show. Our podcast daily is brought to you by RMB Builders. Give Reb Bourgeois a call today. He is a custom home builder offering both new construction and can remodel in the Baton Rouge area and surrounding areas. They are licensed for commercial and residential construction. They can also handle your office renovation or building maintenance. They're online at rmb-builders.com. They're on Instagram and Facebook at RMB Builders LLC. Rhett Bourgeois and RMB Builders bringing you the Jordy Collada podcast. Welcome in to a Wednesday edition of the Jordy Collada Show, live here from the UDL, presented and driven, powered every single day by Go Chevrolet, online at GEAUXChevrolet.com. We're going to talk some LSU football with Brody Miller during the first hour, 7.30 this morning. Brody Miller will be stopping by. Nick Underhill talking some New Orleans Saints at 8.15 this morning. We'll talk to Nick about what the Saints are looking at here going into preseason game number two. Because they will be playing Jacksonville. That'll be a Monday night game for the Saints and Jags. And we'll be answering your food questions with Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois at 8.30 no, this morning. No Tebow. No Tebow, bro. Did we swing and miss on that Yeah, I know. We, we had just planted our flag in the ground. Oh, man. We were proud of our take on Tim Tebow. And it was strong. It was strong. Thank God I couldn't find that prop. Goodness <laughs> gracious. <laughs> that would have been a big hit to the account. Um... They let us hear it on social media, for sure. The thing uh, is, I don't even like the guy. Me, I'm not even, I'm but too, I just yes. believed that was just, that's a take. I just uh, had yeah, a take. Yeah, just had an opinion. Just you had just a strong take. If, yeah, freezing cold takes, you can take that one and run with it. Jack, uh, Jack, no Jack this morning. Katie is still at home with... Uh, Do you know why Jack's not here? Yes, got called into work late last night. Mm. Oh, uh, after the okay, situation yeah. here, yes, too. Double yes. duty. 
Um, but says he will be at LSU practice this afternoon. Noah will be out there this afternoon. Uh, Noah and Jack showed up to practice yesterday just to have the door shut on them as soon as they got there for the media, which usually means that they got something behind those closed doors you don't want <laughs> they don't see. want you to see. Uh, I would guess it would be a little bit of the injuries on the injury front, especially on the offensive line. Seems like they're banged up up front. Not the position that you want to hear that they're losing bodies on, but it seems like a couple of guys are missing some practice, and that is something that they do not want reported. Um, if I had to guess, if that's not official, I'm just guessing that. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> we will talk uh, about uh, some practice stuff with Brody Miller and some of those bodies that uh, need to step up on the offensive line as LSU is going into scrimmage number two this weekend. Uh, and we'll see uh, what some of the stories that Brody's watching there for uh, for LSU here as we are just about, uh, what, 15, 16 days till kickoff? the official seven, 17? 17? 17? 17? I think 18 17? was yesterday. You know everybody makes a big hubaloo about yes. the 18. We uh, have our opinions. Yeah. Let me know when it's seven days away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, 17 days away until kickoff between LSU and UCLA. So slowly... But surely getting to football season here, and uh, we will uh, talk about that LSU-UCLA matchup with Brody Miller coming up at 7.30 this morning. Uh, remember daily, we are brought to you by Go Chevrolet. Boys are online at geauxchevrolet.com. they got a couple of dealerships. they got a used car lot here in Baton Rouge. Go Express Auto Sales on Florida and Sherwood. Then out in Laplace, Louisiana, they got a brand new car lot that you can stop in and check out. Online at geaux. Chevrolet.com. They've also got uh, great used car selection over there. Go Express Auto Sales. Daily, our coffee is brought to you by Majestic Coffee. DeliciousSips.com. Our water is True Blue Water, T-R-U, BlueWater.com. So uh, if you want to get on the route and get a uh, five-gallon drum dropped off to you uh, when uh, whenever, you're, uh, whenever you need it, get on TrueBlueWater.com, T-R-U, BlueWater.com. Uh, and then all of our phone guests, which will be all of our uh, guests today, Brody Miller, Nick Underhill, uh, and Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois coming up here today on the Jordy Colada Show via Metropolitan Health Group. So shout out to Charlie Harvey and Jason Ramazan and the crew over at Metropolitan Health Group. Real doctors, real solutions, uh, Metropolitan Health Group. And Papa Earl's Spice, uh, Papa Earl's the official spice here of the Jordy Colada Show that you can pick up high neighbor, Calandros. Remember, uh, no sodium, no salt uh, in Papa Earl's. No bloat. That's right, man. Uh, no puffy fingers. Oh, that yeah. is what happens yeah, in it's... sandy ankles. Puffy ankles but, when yeah. you get to the beach. Cankles. Cankles. The only yeah. good cankles I've ever seen are on Saquon. <laughs> he can't help those, though. No, I think that's just muscle. It's just yeah, muscle, I mean, yeah. probably, He's got probably muscle in his ankle. Uh, cankle, a big turn off. Uh, I mean, that's that's like one of the first, yeah. when you do the ocular pat down, that's one of the first things you go to. You're like, yeah. okay, okay. You have to do some role play yeah. here. Take those things up. That's right. <laughs> uh, a permanent spat job. If you, uh, yeah. if you have a question for the Jordy Collada Show, mail time. We will be answering your mail questions at 8 a.m. this morning. Jump inside of the bunker on Facebook. Hopefully you've uh, checked out JordyColladaShow.com. Uh, check that out to... Uh, Watch the show, listen to the show, uh, and get your questions, and, and we will answer them at 8 o'clock this morning. Big news yesterday for a former LSU Tiger is Jamal Adams is uh, inking and signing a deal 
with the Seattle Seahawks that was uh, reported yesterday by the NFL Network and Adam Schefter uh, that uh, Adam's now the highest paid safety in the NFL with a $70 million contract over a four-year span with $38 million of that guaranteed. Adam said it came down to a conversation he had with his mom. Said his mom got him on the phone and said, Jamal, what are you doing? doing? What are you doing, man? You don't have to impress anybody anymore. You've got nothing to prove to anybody. Stop being so mad and sign the deal, man. Take the money. $70 million. What are we bickering about? I what mean, are we going? They went we back and forth doing? over $2 million? Dennis Schroeder's mom should have did that. Yes. Cool. Talk <laughs> about fumbling the bag. Dude lost $80 million. Oof. One year prove it deal. Marcus Cousins. Yes. I mean, just some all time blunders in negotiation. Sometimes betting on yourself is not the smartest play. Adams here turned out to be the smartest guy in the room by betting on himself. Seattle gives up two first round picks, and ultimately they get back maybe the best chess piece in football. I'm not willing to call him the best safety because he's such a hybrid in the way that he plays the game. He's best in the box. He's best around the line of scrimmage. He is nearly uh, unavoidable once he breaks through to the line of scrimmage. Once he gets into the backfield, you can't get away from him. And I'm talking about everybody from Lamar Jackson to Cam Newton to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he swallows up everybody once he gets into the backfield. Last year, uh, he had uh, in 12 games, he had nine and a half sacks, which is a NFL record for... And, you know, the position that is labeled as safety. Uh, but I think that Adams is one of these new age players when you look at him. Um, and not necessarily new age. He's just very unique in his skill set and what he allows you to do uh, defensively. I mean, you can move him around and put him in situations where, I mean, he's two yards off the ball. I mean, he's right there at the line of scrimmage. And uh, he's, a, he's an incredible pass rusher. Uh, he's not so good in coverage. Uh, which which we know down here uh, in watching him play at LSU, but uh, he is just so dynamic uh, of a defensive football player and the attitude and mentality and the leadership and all of the stuff that you get with Adams. Yeah, I know that it was probably uh, a little unattractive uh, to the public eye over the past couple of seasons for Adams to get to this point financially, but everybody's got their route to get there and everybody's really in that league trying to get to the second contract. That's what these guys' ultimate goal really is. Once you get established in the league, you got to get to that second contract because the football life is just not that long. I think the average span of a football player uh, is, is three and a half years, two, two, you know, just a little over three years. Um, and, and for Jamal Adams to get to this point where now he's making um, $17 million a season, which surpasses um, Justin Simmons from the Denver Broncos and Landon Collins from the Washington football team to, to now be the highest-paid safety in the league. Um, and is, there is some Jamal, yeah, there's some Jamal Adams slander out there, too. Like, there are some people that do not believe he deserves, like, this type of money. They don't think he – they think he's a one-trick pony in terms of being able to blitz and pretty much play in the box, and he's not – an actual prototypical safety, but when you look at some of the some of the metrics that he's put up compared to, like they have his stats right next to Buda Baker's, who's seen as one of the like preeminent safeties in the league, and Jamal Adams just goes toe to toe with that guy in terms even in coverage. He has, I think, he has the same amount of interceptions last year, and uh, like pass breakups. So he's not just 
a box safety as much as he's just so good at it that that's how he gets he gets pigeonholed into that role a lot but by all accounts he can kind of I mean that's his weakness is coverage but he can do it all he's worth I mean he's worth 70 million dollars in my mind well now the Seattle Seahawks have two of the highest paid defensive players in the NFL on on their squad when you talk about Bobby Wagner and, and Jamal Adams uh, I, I hear some of the Adams pushback just because of the NFL being a pass, you know, a pass first league with a lot of the dominant teams having the best quarterbacks and those best quarterbacks being able to push the ball down the field. And you need as many guys playing defense in the back end as you can find there in a defensive secondary. Um, but I just think what, what, what he brings you, and it's not as if, um, you know, he's not, he's not elite by, by any means in coverage. He's not uh, even above average, but you can win with him in coverage, right? I mean, if he's, if he's your third or fourth best cover guy on an NFL field and he's guarding, you know, the, the, the fourth or fifth option on the other team, um, you know, I mean, you take your wins and losses in that matchup. I just imagine if you're the quarterback of any team that's going against the Seahawks, you're finding 33 every time pre-snap. And that, to me, is worth more than, you know, that's what you pay for. You pay for a guy that you have to identify every time across the line of scrimmage. You're like, where the hell is Jamal Adams? Because he's either blitzing, he's coming from somewhere, right. he's going to do something to bust up this play. Because he, he's that guy, he's that type of game record, whether it be a screen, draw, anything like that. He's just hovering around the line of scrimmage. And if he's not doing if he's not spying a running back or you know, coming off a blitz, he can lurk a little bit and might pick you off. Yeah. Um, man, did we swing and miss on the Tim Tib- uh, on the Tim Tebow. Tebow take. Wow. Right before we saw him in New Orleans. Credit to Urban Meyer. Great memes coming out yesterday. Levitard crushed it. <laughs> some of the things that, uh, some of the things in the, the, the old movie scenes that were memed of Urban Meyer cutting Tim Tebow. Tebow. Was was just amazing. The um, what was it? Ric Flair. It was Ric Flair and uh, I don't know oh, the other wrestler. Was but, that Ric Flair? Uh huh. Yeah. That was the changing of the guard. That was like the moment hey, he hits with the. I'm sorry. Back, I'm sorry. <laughs> just wow, right in the face. There's one of, of Wesley Snipes in a movie when he's <laughs> when he's pointing the gun at the guy. And he's crying. You know. He's, uh, but I mean, just, how does that conversation go down? Uh, if you're Urban Meyer, you have to. You know that that was awkward. They had to just you know. T- I, why'd you call me in here? It's like, oh, Tebow, you well, don't know? You probably have to have that conversation on the front end, right? Like when you, when, you, when you strike this deal, if you're Urban Meyer, you have to tell Tebow, like, look, this is a long shot, especially if he's cutting him on the first cut. I never would have thought that he would have cut I him. I thought on. they were going to drag this thing I, out. I thought for sure he would have at least gotten down to the last cut of camp. But credit Urban Meyer on this because I did not see this coming, obviously. Um, but making the move, it must be all about football for Urban over at Jacksonville. You know, it must be all about winning because when you turn on the film, I mean, Tebow is laughable. And I think maybe that's what it came down to. If he could have just, you know, not tripped over your dick for (laughs) just one preseason game, one preseason game in, if you can't just whiff on blocks, run the right routes, just look like you belong out there. We can maybe hide you until the last cut, but if you go out there and it looks like you got two left feet, (laughs) I mean, 
I might have to cut you tomorrow. My hands are tied. Right. What, what, what do you want me to do, man? That had to be the conversation. Tebow, don't go out there and embarrass me. Just go out there and pretend like you know what you're doing, which is basically what he did. He faked it till he made it, and then he got popped a couple times. It's just like, uh, Tebow, I got to cut you. You're, you're the laughing stock of the internet. The most viral video after that night is the video of him. Tried to cut blog. Face plant on a cut I mean, blog. Embarrassing, you know, for... Everybody involved. I wonder if that was the conversation. Like, look, I mean, the circus can only last so long. But I mean, to, you just have the tape on loop behind. If him, the like, elephant look, won't I mean, get off the trailer and perform, what do we do, man? I mean, we've just got to pack up and leave, right? Circus is out of town. I mean, this guy is—he—he he, he can't play anymore. Um, but I mean, does Tebow try basketball now? I mean, what is he going to do? He has now been totally flushed out right from sports i mean we've we've tried the the baseball thing we've tried the comeback to football as a tight end we've done the position change from fullback to tight end all i mean are we now is the tim tebow sports experiment now over i I guess so put it on the poll i don't yeah put it on the poll playing again but to give him credit he's good on sec network like no, he, he's fantastic. He's great. I think that's where his home is. He's he needs fantastic to go deep. on television. I mean, he's polarizing. He he draws an audience. He his analysis is not that good. No, but like he's the just way captivating. He, he breaks down. He's always in rah rah mode, right? Like he's all right. I mean, I, I guess it is. I mean, it, it. I guess it's not. But I mean, I figured if you would have put a headset on him and given him a you know a chalkboard, that he would have been able to like break down a. What, what a blocking scheme was, right? No. I mean, he's relied on his athleticism his entire life. But hasn't he played enough football where at least you've heard it in the in the, in the the meeting rooms where you could at least fake it and talk it? Bro, if it's not QB power, he doesn't know what's going on. I guess. I mean, think about when you watched him play. He, he was never – he was so good in college. It was just impossible to stop, but I don't know – I can't put my finger on why. He was, he was just, just a bull. He was just a bulldog. Like, yeah. he was impossible to tackle. He'd get you five yards every time he tucked it. But he threw it. Like, he could wing it around a little bit. But I would not say that X's and O's are a strong suit. I don't think that's whatever. I don't think he was a big film guy. Despite his work ethic, I think he was a big weight room guy. Because What sport could he play? I'm, I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, like. I think golf would probably be the next. He could probably mash a golf ball. He could probably, like he could probably crush a golf ball. He's, he's probably disciplined enough to wrestling. Wrestling. Would he turn coat oh, and go WWE? WWE? I mean, he's got that Cena type polarization to him, where he could be an absolute star. Go with Christ. Talk about make some money. Go, Tebow. I mean, the lines are over. This is free. Yeah, and that's what's right. going to cost you. <laughs> I mean, wrestler would probably be his most lucrative. Yes. What he would find the most financial gain from is if he just like flipped it and said you know what i'm wearing a speedo every night with i was gonna say he could come out a different jersey every night he's got a jets jersey broncos jersey florida jersey jacksonville jersey mets jersey like you could go through the week but i would think that the the big sport experience of tim tebow is now over right i mean like he couldn't hit double a pitching that's hard it is. Yeah, he's 33. I mean, well, I mean that's, what, that's what happens when you just pick up at 28 and say, I want to be a baseball player. It's kind of impressive that Michael Jordan made a little headway. It is. Because everybody thinks that's a failure. And he was kind of, he was, he was on that trajectory to where I don't think he was going to make the squad. 
but he was close. Oh man, uh, who was his his manager that was with the Indians? That um, um, golly, his famous his famous um, manager that was with him with the Birmingham Barons uh, that ended up going on to coach the Cleveland Indians and coached a couple of World Series teams. Uh, I'm looking at him. Why, why can't I think of his damn name? But he was on on the Last Dance, saying. Is it Francona? Is it Terry Francona? Terry Francona. Yeah, yeah. Terry Francona. Nice. Big big chaw uh, guy. Yeah, he is a big chaw guy. Always got a chaw in. Um, says if Jordan sticks with it, he there's no reason that he believes that he would have that he wouldn't have made it. Um, I mean, yeah, that 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 is that is really impressive to think about. Remember, uh, so I, is the Tim Tebow sports experience over? It's on the poll. Vote there, whether it's one. Uh, can we get the poll up on YouTube? Yeah, uh, I can do the YouTube well. poll. Yep, YouTube poll, and then we'll have it on Twitter. Uh, so make sure you interact with us. We appreciate that. Thank you, Will Burton. Uh, Terry Francona was the uh, the manager of the Birmingham Barons and went on to the Cleveland Indians. Uh, I didn't peek. Uh, very, that, was straight, that was a good one. Uh, good that was pull. a good pull. Good pull. Uh, Travis McGraw says MMA could mm. be Tebow's next move. Could we see Tebow as a fighter, like as a real, like, down, like, I mean, like, bloodshed fighting. I mean, I, I'm sure you don't want to mess with him, in, like, in a bar parking lot. Right, right, right. But, I mean, if you get into an octagon That's with what a I'm skilled thinking, fighter. If it came to fighting, WWE would yeah, be more his, right. his style. Um, yeah, I couldn't see Because I feel like he'd get mauled. He in could, an, he in could an get octagon. mauled. I mean, just because he feels very slow and clunky. And, and Well, and the image of him getting his ass kicked, <laughs> like, just him yeah. bloody down on the... On the right. Or just getting knocked out. Yeah, would just be that's not good for the brand. I think wrestling is almost something that he would be scared to do because of all of like the you know, the the polarization that would come with it and be like, look at Tebow again trying to grab the spotlight. You know, it's like because wrestling is the last move. That's your last chess piece if you're not a wrestler your entire life. If you just go to do wrestling, it's like, oh, it's it's a you know, it's it's a sideshow. It's a he's a clown. But I think it would be electric if he went out there and just played. I don't know what music he played for Tebow. Maybe I don't know, but there's he played some some hymnals, a little gospel music, <laughs> right. and have him come out and the crowd would go nuts. Because I mean, isn't Jacksonville like the hub for wrestling? I think that's where a lot of it goes down. Is in Orlando or well, like I mean, definitely in Florida, the state of Florida. Yes, alone. Yeah. Tebow. I mean, that's and he's the move. The move, he's yeah. a Floridian. God, through I mean, and through. I mean, like. They got to do something with all those Jacksonville jerseys because he sold a ton of them. Um, Roy, he- uh, Roy Hill, WWE wrestler name, the Bishop, <laughs> uh, is uh, is is what he's saying. Uh, everybody in the chat, drop. Uh, what do you think Tim Tebow's wrestling name should be? <laughs> I call him the Bishop, and he comes down the ramp like a priest down the aisle on Sundays. He carries a cross. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> bro, think about it. I mean, he would make a. As much, yeah, he, as much money as, as you much money to. as you wanted to, man. Uh, especially in that world. Uh, remember, daily like here we're brought to you good. by GoFlow <laughs> IV and Hydration Spa. GoFlow and IV and Wellness uh, over there on Jefferson was over there yesterday. I mean, they were packed. You couldn't put another person in there, man. The door kept swinging all day long over at GoFlow IV. The secret is obviously out. Andre Anthony. Was in there as I was walking Told you, out. The, the LSU, it's gotten to the football team. Yeah, I mean, I thought you were going to a physical with Little J. It turns out he's just going to get yeah. pumped full of liquids. <laughs> no, no, no. After the physical, <laughs> after oh, the he fi- gave Little J a treat. Yeah, that's right. No, <laughs> after the phys- after dropping him off at school, uh, the uh, went over to GoFlow IV. Saw Brett and the crew over there. 
but I'm telling you, the secret is out. If you have not tried it, you've got to stop in and check out what they've got going on over at GoFlow IV. Yesterday, I got the Glow, G-L-E-A-U-X, was the... Uh, I can tell. Was the cocktail. <laughs> <Those> coital. <laughs> uh, yes. Sleep great. I'm telling you, the first, uh, the first advantage you feel is the sleeping. I mean, you, you sleep. My sleeping is, uh, is so much better. Uh, the energy throughout the day is there. Uh, find out for yourself over at GoFlowIV, GoFlowIV.com. Stop in and see them on Jefferson Highway, 7970 Jefferson Highway uh, is where you find them, 7970 Jefferson Highway. Uh, and you get in touch with them online at GoFlowIV.com. All right, we will talk to uh, Brody Miller about LSU football coming up next. If you've got an LSU question, if you are curious about anything coming out of scrimmage number one, going into scrimmage number two, we're going to talk a lot about uh, a lot of stuff with uh, uh, with Brody coming up here in a couple of minutes. But I don't want to leave anything out. So if you've got anything out there that you want to talk about, position, group, individual player, coach, anything going on with the schedule at camp, anything that's happened in preparation for week one versus UCLA that is now 17 days away from right now, we're talking to Brody Miller of The Athletic next. Jump inside of the chat, whether you're inside the bunker on YouTube, you're over on Facebook, if you're watching online at jordycolladashow.com, get what you want to talk about into the, uh, into the chat. We'll ask Brody Miller, or we'll talk about it next coming up here on The Jordy Collada Show, driven and powered by Go Chevrolet. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details Gearing up for spring and summer down here in South Louisiana and you want to keep your lawn maintained during these sunny seasons, get in touch with our friend Blake Bear over at Bear's Lawn Maintenance where he says, you grow it, I mow it. 225-485-8022. 225-485-8022 is where you can find Bear's Lawn and Maintenance, the official lawn and maintenance company of the undisclosed location. Papa Earl's, the fine spice, originating right down here in South Louisiana by our guy Mark Pop Norman. Developed it back in 2018 and won Amazon's Newcomer of the Year in 2019. They pride themselves in having 30% less salt and sodium than the leading brands at the same price point. You can find them locally. Look for Papa Earl's at Rouse's, Calandro's, Matherne's, High Neighbor, and more. True blue water, true hydration at its finest. Right now, you're only a few minutes away from getting your five-gallon water delivered to you, just like we are over here at the UDL. 
All you got to do is log on to truebluewater.com. That's T-R-U, bluewater.com. The website's fantastic over at truebluewater.com. You can get your service and find out how quick it is. You can schedule a delivery, even hop on the billing system right there at truebluewater.com. T-R-U, bluewater.com. Go Chevrolet is proud to announce Go Express Auto Sales, the new used car lot located in the capital city of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, at 11522 Florida Boulevard. Go Express Auto Sales is online at goexpressautosales.com or you can search them on Facebook and social media at Go Express Auto Sales, the newest addition to the family of Go Chevrolet. Remember, Go Chevrolet is located down in Laplace, Louisiana, but now welcoming aboard Go Express, the new used car lot located in Baton Rouge, Louisiana at 11522 Florida Boulevard. Welcome back here to the Jordy Colada Show. We're patching in with Brody Miller. We will get him from The Athletic and talk some LSU football coming up here in a couple of minutes on the Jordy Colada Show, driven and powered by Go Chevrolet. Uh, Keem asks, what happened to the Quincy Wiggins interview yesterday? Uh, Quincy was scheduled to join us uh, yesterday morning, um, but uh, had his schedule at school a little changed up. We have confirmed, and this is good to promote, and we will have Quincy Wiggins and Jeff Jones in studio at the UDL on Friday. They will be here Friday morning at 7 a.m. Uh, so we are looking forward to that. Uh, talked to Jeff Jones last night. We're actually going to make our way out and go watch Quincy play on Thursday uh, Thursday night uh, as Madison Preps got a, sc- a scrimmage uh, in town. Uh, really looking forward to the high school football season. I mean, I am amped about watching some high school football on Friday nights, packing up the crew. Packing up a camera, packing up little Jay, heading to a good atmosphere and watching some good football on a Friday night, wherever that may be. I think we pick out the game of the weekend in South Louisiana. I think that the Edna Carr-Madison Prep Week 1 matchup is going to be tough to stay away from. We're scheduled to be in Los Angeles for the uh, the UCLA matchup, and that'll be he, that. He says we that Friday night. <laughs> That's right, me. Yeah. Uh, I am uh, is scheduled to be there, but. If, if you're looking for maybe, I mean, at least in the first five weeks of the high school football season where, you know, non, non-conference or 
uh, non-district matchups uh, take place. This has got to be... The talent on that field. Whew, this has got to be as, as good of a matchup just as far as prospects. I mean, you think about it just off the headliners. you got Quincy Wiggins and Aaron Anderson on the same field. Anderson, you know, Anderson is as electric of a player as the state has. I mean, he's got that Tyree Jerry Hill. Judy, Tyree Kill type feel to him. You know what I mean? Where he's like a, he feels like a, almost like a, a video game out there. Yeah, with the way that he, waiting to happen. Yeah, where he, with the way that he moves. Um, How many high school games do you go to a year? Because that's something you do more than I've than I thought that the, that you did. Like I've I've never really gotten into the high school football scene, but with you calling the games, I feel like it kind of oh, leached on to you. Golly, for I mean, we did U High football for six years, so I mean that was they had ten regular season games, five weeks of playoffs with state championship included, and that that I mean on that six year run that I, I was with U High, four of them they went to the state title three times, they won it. Um, I mean, the other two times they got knocked out in the semis, you know. I mean, so I mean, we that we were playing 14, 15 games on average every single year. Um, then before that, we were doing the the game of the week where we were just traveling around. I love it. I think that it is. I, I think it is. It is community at its finest. I think it's it's local. It's especially when you get to a good game. You know what I mean? When you get to a good game with high end prospects with what the state has this year, if you are a high school football fan or are you a fan of recruiting, um, I, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how you wouldn't be looking forward to getting out and watching some of these cats play. I mean, Woodlawn's schedule alone—if you just followed Woodlawn and watched them play, the teams that you'll see them play against and the, and the prospects that they'll play against would be worth the price of admission. And oh, by the way, Woodlawn's loaded, loaded. I mean. Um. So, I mean, I I can't wait to go watch. But Ricky how many? Collins yeah, play. how many do you go to that aren't like that weren't work related? Would do you sneak out and like go to a Friday night game that just just to go watch? Yes, huh. absolutely. I guess that's where we disconnect. I mean, that's where it started. Yeah. For me, you know what I mean. That's where. Um. I mean, I'm never like when I was in college, my friends would be like, "What are you doing?" You know what I mean? Wait, really? But I was working for the Cox Four Game of the oh, okay. Week. Yeah, oh, we saw the picture. Um, but that's you know that's Lush when I was in high school. Head of hair. Oof, what a great head of hair. <laughs> um, but then you know, like in between that period of the Cox Four Game of the Week and getting to radio, I would routinely go watch just high school football. Out. Yeah, just go check it out. I mean. The feeling of a high school football game, the atmosphere to me, it reminds me a lot of growing up. I mean, you know, my weekends growing up were Friday night high school football, Saturday LSU football, Sunday the Saints. I mean, like, all three, you know what I mean? And not watching a play, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) playing pickup football somewhere within those stadiums, but just taking all of the environment, every piece of the atmosphere, all that goes in and around it, in, and you can still feel that on a Friday night, in my opinion. If you grew up around that, if you're familiar with those sights, those smells, those sounds, I mean, the sounds of the band, the the, the smells of the concession stand. I mean, even if you get there early, the smells of like a fresh cut grass or like a paint, a painted field, something like that, I mean, that is something. As soon as you sense it, 
you get brought to a place where you're very familiar with it. You know what I mean? I mean, that was my for I mean, I grew up in a locker room, really. You know what I mean? I was pretty much raised around athletics and that being in those type of environments is very natural. It feels very comfortable. Yes, yeah. yeah, very comfortable in um, because I really don't like crowds. You know what I mean? I don't like being around people. I mean, really and truly. <laughs> um, but that is, um, but that a high school Friday night to me is is. Well, that's the funniest. Local community at its yeah. Best. Well, that's the funniest thing about like local high school football is. I did the same thing that you did whenever my brother was three years older than I was. So we had, they had like a, Menard had like a practice field and then obviously they would play on the game field. But buddy, the games that broke out on that practice field during the actual yes. game and Sean would be like, oh, Absolutely. did you watch the game? Like, no, but I had three touchdowns on the, on the practice <laughs> field. No problem like, I played all, great. No problem. <laughs> Central, we didn't have a practice. It was this little tiny square of grass right next to the stands. And I mean, kids would run into the fence. It was just, uh, and then and then the, two games. and then the best was when we started getting to age where you started playing. Like you know, the Catholic leagues would play on Sundays in in Baton Rouge, so you would like see all of these people you were playing on Friday right. nights would be at the high school games together. On Saturday, would be at the LSU games together, and then on Sunday, you'd be playing each other uh, on 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 fields across the city. I mean. That's where it all started was at a high school stadium on a Friday night. Let's go to Brody Miller from The Athletic. Brody is, uh, of course, covering LSU football. Uh, he is one of the best to do it. He will routinely be here with us during the football season. Make sure that you have a subscription to, uh, to The Athletic for football season. We urged our listeners to get in with some questions, and we've got some really good questions rolling in for Ask Brody here for what's he, uh, what has been standing out to him the first couple of days and weeks of camp. Uh, Brody, good morning. How are you? All right. How are you guys doing? Doing good, man. Uh, we saw that uh, you had a you had a great write up on Kayshawn Butte, and Kayshawn is one of the players that has gone through camp, uh, seemingly um, not as much talked about. And to me, Brody, it's because there is very high expectation around him, and people think that he is going to answer those expectations just because of the talent that he is. Um, when when you talk to him and you talk to the people around him, what do you expect from him in year two after what he accomplished in his rookie season? Yeah, I, I think you know he's a guy who we all know has all these just you know, fantastic athletic gifts, and and you know I think he it's one of those things where it is challenging because he put up such just frankly absurd numbers those last few weeks that it could easily set up some very unfair expectations. You know that it's like. Hey, you know, he might not quite be a 1,500-yard-a-year guy or whatever yet. But at the same time, I mean, he the things he was doing are things that I think are very well set up for this year where some of his best skills of the stuff he showed that all Miss and his ability to take a short pass and just make plays with it after the ball, show off that, that pretty elite sprinter speed, you know, yeah. to shake off tackles, all those kind of things. And I think everything that we've gathered that's built around Jake Pete's offense is, is just, you know, Again, even if you want to laugh at how often they say it, but let's get back to that 2019 Joe Brady offense mentality of get the ball and play, make his hands, and let them do things. You know, so so I do think you're, you should expect a really big year from him. And and in some ways, so much of this is obviously depending on quarterback and all those things. But considering I'm relatively high on the rest of the receivers too, it should 
it should open things up for him a little more than it was last year. When those last few games, I mean, he was kind of the, the lone guy they could turn to. So, so I think they're hoping that they can get a little more of that. Hey, you got five targets that are going to stretch you out and make things better for him. So, you know, it's one of those. So basically, I think you always have to temper your expectations with a guy like him, or we put him on a pedestal right away. But still, he, you know, people close to him, they say his. It's like they, his dad's funny line was, it's like, I still haven't seen him, like, get in fifth gear. You know, I still yeah. haven't seen him, like, really get open field and show everyone how fast he is. So, I think he's got more to show, but it's just, it'll be interesting to see how they use him. Yeah, the speed aspect of that quote is pretty scary because he ran away from people last year, specifically in the Florida and Ole Miss game. I mean, to think about that, he's got another gear is, 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 pretty, uh, is pretty scary to think about. Have you heard of anybody emerging as, as a number two option? for them and how important is that in this offense with the way that they want to spread the football around is it um uh, is it mission critical that that they find a number two option i don't think they look at it quite as mission critical as you know say you know i have at times because i you know just the more people you talk to the more people who really say it's one of those years where two through eight is genuinely good, you know, and then, and I, I think I've said on your show before, there are totally years where you're like, yeah, LSU's deep, but you have no idea if there's a two and three who are great. I think this is a year where it's actually, they love, you know, they love Brian Thomas. Brian Thomas is wowing everybody through camp. I think he'd be, you know, the first answer that would jump out to me of just somebody who's really, you know, gaining stock. He, he has been really, really impressive through camp. And Malik Neighbors has been really, really impressive through camp. And, and you can't even rule out your Deion Smith, who's been banged up a lot. But it's totally that kind of talent. So I just listed three freshmen. But, and then you, but you also have to make the safe pick a little bit. I think that's obviously got to be Dre Jenkins, the guy who, yeah, just, he's, he's never going to, like, wow anybody. He's never, yeah. never anybody type pick, but just – played a really, really steady, good football last year. It's not like he was doing dink and dunks. He was making big plays. So I think I think I always kind of default to, and this might be incorrect, but like Dre Jenkins keeps one spot, and maybe it's Brian Thomas, or maybe it's Deion Smith takes that third. But it's going to be a ton of rotation around Booty. To pivot back to Keishon Butte real quick, does the rest uh, – I, I feel like the, the conference knows just because LSU played a conference-only schedule last year, but is a secret out across the country about how good he might be this year? Because I don't know if UCLA really has – or the rest of the country doesn't really have him rated as highly as they do around – and certainly in Louisiana, maybe around the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, it's a great question because I do feel like he's in that zone of like – Sports writers absolutely are like, oh shoot, you know. What I mean, <laughs> you know, like this, I think I think people who are like football nerds absolutely know who he is because he did blow everyone away in that year. But I, I don't think he's talked about the same way. Like, not not that he should be in the same vein as Justin Ross yet, but like people don't like. He's not exactly to your point. He's not leading a lot of those lists and all those things yet, and and some of that's fair. You know, three games. We'll see if we can do it more than that. But yeah, I, I think there is something to that. That it's like you don't want to call him a sleeper because the guy holds an SEC record already. So he's, he's in that middle zone. If he's not a sleeper, but he's not yet a household name. So I think he has a chance to really become that. That's why I love. I've been almost a broken record, but it's like I I almost love that Jamar Chase comparison point, not because of the same, but because of the parallel thing of. Chase had a slow freshman year, broke out very strong at the end, and looked impressed everybody big time, and then made a huge leap in year two. And I just think that's the, the same hope, even if it's not going to be a blitz off. Andrew Messina inside of the bunker asks Brody, how is Durante Jones doing a couple of weeks into camp? How is the defense adapting to his style from your point of view? 
Yeah, I think, I think most of the feedback I've gathered is defense has been winning a lot of things, you know, and I, obviously they did really well in the scrimmage Saturday, and I think the main thing you hear is just a lot of facts flying around. You know, that's the main buzzword you hear. And I think if we all learned a lesson from last year, it's not to ever overreact to anything that happens at camp one way or another, because the defense looked fantastic in camp last year, too, and, and we obviously know what happened there. So I'm not going to go too far. But, yeah, I think, I think they're back to – the way I always phrase it is I still have absolutely no idea what kind of schematic mind Ronte Jones is, and I, and I won't know until I see him coach against some other SEC guys. So what I do feel decently sure of, just, you know, feedback, and I think we've all kind of heard this, is they have fixed some of those things of yeah. communication and being on the same page and just flying around playing conference football. So I don't think you're going to see, I don't know, Jabone Clark on his back heels as often as he was last year. Their safety's just missing a guy and all that. So the buzz is good under I.K. Jones, but there's obviously just that wait and see of, hey, what's he actually going to look like, you know, scheming up with Lane Kiffin or whatever. couple of personnel questions. John Quav wants to know, ask Brody, about the young linebackers, Antoine Sampa, Josh White, Philip Webb, Greg Penn, any of these names being discussed here early on through uh, throughout camp? <laughs> I think we get that one a lot. Yeah, I, I, I think it's that thing of, they, I mean, Josh White, for example, I mean, they, they still really like him. You know, I think they like all these guys. It's just, you know, I think Greg, I've heard some actually pretty good things about Greg Penn. It's just, they are literally five deep ahead of them, you know, or, or at least four deep ahead of them. So it's just, it, I understand it. I mean, like I do that with teams I root for too, where I'm like, man, why is that recruit not getting talked about more? But it's just, they, I mean, Mike Jones is still fighting for a, a major spot right now, and he was. PFF number four returning to player in, in the country. So, you know, I think what I've gathered is it's going to be a pretty strong rotation of the main four as of right now of, you know, Damone Clark, Bug Strong, um, um, sorry, Jared Small and Micah Baskerville, but yeah. that's a steady four. And sure, you don't know who the, you know, Clark has to prove it to you after he struggled last year. Baskerville, you know, isn't like an upside guy, but it's just steady in force. Nobody's seen Bug Strong play in a major game. So there's a lot, and Jared Small, of course, is a, a smaller guy. But you, So I think it's like you don't know who's going to be a star, but I, I think they feel a lot better about linebackers than they did, say, a year ago. Uh, Brody, we talked about the offensive line yesterday and the limited depth that they have going into camp, and it seems like they're getting banged up here on the offensive line with, with early injuries here in camp to Garrett Dellinger and to Chasen Hines. Um, wh- what are you hearing on that unit? Is there anybody starting to emerge from 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 maybe the depth that we have not talked about? And, and what is the concern level of this group going into the season? Yeah, I think, I think we're seeing the fears kind of happen a little bit, not quite panic level or anything like that. Everything I think is really steady, but we're absolutely seeing the fact that, okay, the only backup tackle we thought they had, he's banged up right now. And, you know, and Jason Hines, okay, now he's banged up. And, and in terms of the short term, yeah, you're still, your first team's still steady because Anthony Bradford's right there with Hines and he is having a good camp, which is a positive because he's the guy they just really, really have been on to develop. But so I think they'd be okay if he had to start some games for Hines. But yeah, you are now officially in the one more guy down, you're in trouble zone. I think one guy. You know, having a good camp at Ojan said, and I'm sure you've talked about plenty, is Charles Turner. And, and he's somebody I'm always intrigued by because he's got that kind of long, interesting body, and he, he's gotten reps in center and a, a tackle and probably guard. So I, I think he's finally coming along a little bit more, but I, I can't sit here and lie to you and say I've heard a ton about those other guys after him, so you do have to kind of worry a little. 
How close is LSU to hitting the panic button on these injuries along the offensive line? I know they have another scrimmage set for Saturday, but is that even with Coach O's philosophy that he takes from Pete Carroll where it's a lot of NFL style where they don't want to do a lot of hitting? I know it's necessary to get these hits in, but LSU seems to be razor thin or on that razor's edge of another injury and they're in almost panic mode. So is it is it worth it? Do you think that they do another full contact scrimmage or is it going to be more of a thud on Saturday? That's a great question. And I'm speculating, of course, but I, I feel like I've remembered times in the past, right, where they have essentially done seven on seven. Was it last year? I don't know. But there's been times where it's like, hey, they're so banged up there, they've essentially done seven on seven scrimmages. So I would not rule that out at all. I'm obviously speculating. It's a good question. I need to definitely follow up on some good calls. But I, I don't know, but I, I could see it. Uh, Brody Miller joining us here from The Athletic. As uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Brody A. Miller. Talking LSU football, make sure you get your subscription for the season. Uh, one of the uh, one of the latest write-ups is about the running back room. Uh, this seems to be another room uh, that there is nobody that has yet emerged here early on in camp, yet when you ask about this room and group specifically, it seems like the two freshmen are the names that pop first. What are you hearing about Armani Goodwin, Corey Kiner, and the rest of the running backs as they navigate their way through fall camp? Yeah, I think that room, two things are kind of going on at the same time. Where well, those freshmen are the story of camp, as they should be. I mean, they're impressive. They're allowing a lot of people. I think the first week I got like a, someone reach out every single day being like, wow, Armani Goodwin's amazing. And the second week, everybody's like, holy crap, Corey Kiner. You know, so I think that's a really good sign. Because, for example. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I mean, David's Price and Emory two years ago, they were supposed to be there with freshmen. And I don't think we got that kind of buzz from that during camp, right? You know, so I, I think that's really promising. But I still, I think they're going to push those guys. And, and you also have to keep in mind, they're two guys with, with injury history, banged up quite often. So, and also those in those freshmen favor that they might just be needed. And they're going to be in the rotation. But most people I've talked to still kind of default to, you know, I, I think I had one staffer say, Davis Price is probably going to be the main, you know, carry guy early. But they said Emery, and this is where the positive comes in. Emery has, you know, I think he's, they said he's more versatile, can get on the field in different ways, and, and he might have a big year that way. And there has been some, some just solid buzz that, all right, Emery is finally turning the corner in his receiving ability, his protection ability, and just those little things that we all know he kind of struggled with before. Had the LASIK a year and a half ago, all that. And, you know, Max Johnson actually gave us a really detailed answer about how he's seen him just kind of improve as a receiver, reading leverages of linebackers, all those kinds of things. So, uh, and I think I've said this on your show, I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm going to be in wait and see mode with Emory until it happens because we've been waiting three years. But there just are people in the program who are, 
we're kind of confident that it's like, all right, it's, it's actually happening now. And we obviously saw his interview yesterday where he was, he was saying pieces. He's trying to make him into a McCaffrey. And I, I mean, obviously, let's not get carried away with that. But there is optimism there. And I still do default to, I think those juniors will still be the main two if they're healthy. But those freshmen are really, really good. A lot of people talking about the freshmen, and the freshman names are popping, but one that may be a little under the radar of of just how many names are out there, but everybody seems to say his name behind closed doors is Savion Jones, uh, big defensive end out of St. James. How have you heard he's made an impact now that they're on the field and in full pads? Yeah, I, I think you know, him and, and obviously you know, Bryce Langston was another one going into camp. I think a lot of those guys are, are really just wowing. I think you know, all that really does is just say that you're in good shape for, you know, your depth of that D-line. And not, and not just that, your continuity on the D-line. You know, that's I, – I, I don't have too much more to add on Jones specifically, just knowing that I, I have heard he's had, I've heard his name mentioned a few times. But my, my only take on that is what else he was trying to get back to and I think what they lost in 2020 was just that it's an idea of continuity, right, yeah. where it's like – all right, you, you have the really good leader of, a, I don't know, a Patrick Queen, but then the next guy up learned from Queen, and he passes it on to the next guy. You, you just have like a competition culture building of doing the right things. and I think that is, if they handle it right, the positive thing happening right now. But they're getting back to really good juniors, sophomores, freshmen that are just building and building. And I think the D-line is the main place you can point to that, where it's like, all right, Mason Jones is going to really learn from those older guys this year that he's going to carry forward. Mason Smith, sorry. Is LSU hoping to get to more of a run-heavy attack? We mentioned all of the, the freshman running backs, and then you have you know, the two juniors that you hope can step up and play well this year as they were, like you said, tabbed you know, four-star guys, and Emory was a five-star. Is LSU kind of hoping to take that approach with – I mean, we mentioned the offensive line a lot, but now, it's like I said, it's thin. Is that like a, an easier like plan of attack? Would that be plan A, is to be able to run the football? Like they, have, they haven't been able to do it in past years. So I'm hoping that maybe that would be the plan of attack. Is that option A, I guess I would say? I, I think I would lean like 50-50. You know, I, I think that's the, the goal. But, no, I, I think it's so important to make life as easy for Max Johnson as you can. Even I'm not, not that he's still like a freshman or anything, but just take some of the you know pressure off him and, and, and open things up. I think – you know, as much as we all want to talk about 2019, like so much of that was there was just a real, even though passing offense got the acclaim, like there was such a balance. And I think that's kind of what they're getting towards. So I, I, I don't know if it's going to be more run heavy just because the options at receiver. And, you know, just you also got to factor in, I, I don't know what to expect of this a lot. You know, some people are high on it. Some people are really low on it. I think if you, I think there's some part of me that leans toward they're going to be more about spreading people out, getting, you know, your John Emery's and receiver situations and all that and trying to take pressure off the O-line because I'm not sure where they stand with that. So I think I think the run game is going to be essential, of course, but I'm not sure I think it's going to be run-focused, but I am I am wrong often. Get your uh, get your subscription. To, that's why you fit in great here on the Jordy Collada Show. You'll be a weekly here. <laughs> we had Tim uh, Tebow <laughs> making the 53 and leading the jersey sales in the NFL all season long. He got cut yesterday after the first preseason game. Uh, Brody Miller <laughs> is going to be weekly here. He's fantastic. Get your subscription today over at The Athletic. LSU football back on the practice field. Uh, Miller and his crew tweeting over there at Brody A. Miller to keep up with all the news and what's happening. Thank you, man. We'll talk again soon. Always a pleasure, guys. Have a good one. All right, see you. There is uh, Brody checking in this morning here from The Athletic. Make sure that you get that account. Make sure you get that subscription uh, and start your uh, 
Uh, Mr. Great Question Guy oh, over there. I got two What's of up? them. I mean, I'm wow. The Pulitzer's in the mail. This guy. <laughs> uh, great question. Two of them. Uh, daily, we're brought to you by Novatus. Novatus Design develops web mobile uh, solutions for uh, for businesses that help you streamline operations and become more efficient. They've done that for us over here in the Jordy Colada Show. If you have not seen the new website, check it out online at jordycoladashow.com. They can also help you. Uh, with a uh, with a mobile design over at Nevadas, check him out over there. Randall Knockman and his crew do great work. Uh, I've been very easy to work with. Uh, love the new website. Very easy to manage and move around, navigate. You can see all the information, get all the stuff that you need over there at JordyColadaShow.com. All of that uh, put together and designed by Nevadas. Check him out online, Nevadas.com. Coming up here in a couple of minutes, we will answer your mail questions. If you have any mail questions for us here on the show, uh, any way you can get in touch with us. We got one from Instagram uh, from a direct message. Speaking of Mr. Good Question. That is. He buttered you up first. That's a great lead It was. It was a good question. Um, But any way that you can get in touch with us, uh, DM, email, if you want to. uh, At some point here, we're going to start utilizing this phone. It's gonna get uh, which could be spicy. dangerous, which I like. I like, I, do too. I like that. I like the phone. You got a veteran over here who's yes. worked the pro game show at LSU, and that some of those that you put on hold just absolutely deserve to be left on hold. And That's my just, uh, <laughs> that that was that was my first gig in radio. Really? Yes, yeah, screening the post game show. It, it needs it. It's it does. An essential worker. It does, man. <laughs> um, I'm here traffic, and I just one more thing. <laughs> Right. Am I on? Yeah, no. no, not yet. Not Andrew, yet. Not yet. A good yeah, to Charles. Yeah, 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 right. No, you, not, Charles is not going to pick up the phone <laughs> when you phone. dial the number. That's not how this works. Charles, Charles, Charles. Well, put him on the phone. All right, hang line? on. Hold up, hold up, hold up. What do you want to talk to him about? What's your name? Where are you from? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, I'm in traffic right now. <laughs> uh, we'll be back with more of the Jordy Collada Show. Get your mail questions in. We'll answer them here at 8 o'clock. Uh, the Jordy Collada Show brought to you by Go Chevrolet. Gearing up for spring and summer down here in South Louisiana and you want to keep your lawn maintained during these sunny seasons, get in touch with our friend Blake Bear over at Bear's Lawn Maintenance where he says, you grow it, I mow it. 225-485-8022. 225-485-8022 is where you can find Bear's Lawn and Maintenance, the official lawn and maintenance company of the undisclosed location. Papa Earl's, the fine spice, originating right down here in South Louisiana by our guy Mark Pop Norman. Developed it back in 2018 and won Amazon's Newcomer of the Year in 2019. They pride themselves in having 30% less salt and sodium than the leading brands at the same price point. You can find them locally. Look for Papa Earl's at Rouse's, Calandro's, Matherne's, High Neighbor, and more. True Blue Water, true hydration at its finest. Right now, you're only a few minutes away from getting your five-gallon water delivered to you, just like we are over here at the UDL. All you got to do is log on to truebluewater.com. That's T-R-U, bluewater.com. The website's fantastic over at truebluewater.com. You can get your service and find out how quick it is. You can schedule a delivery, even hop on the billing system right there at truebluewater.com. T-R-U, bluewater.com. 
Go Chevrolet is proud to announce Go Express Auto Sales, the new used car lot located in the capital city of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, at 11522 Florida Boulevard. Go Express Auto Sales is online at goexpressautosales.com or you can search them on Facebook and social media at Go Express Auto Sales, the newest addition to the family of Go Chevrolet. Remember, Go Chevrolet is located down in Laplace, Louisiana, but now welcoming aboard Go Express, the new used car lot located in Baton Rouge, Louisiana at 11522 Florida Boulevard. Bear's Specialty Meats, home to the finest boudin in South Louisiana. Two spots right here in Baton Rouge and out in Prairieville. Stop in and see them in the Dutchtown Shopping Center on Highway 73 or right here in Baton Rouge on Jefferson Highway. Online, abearsmarkets.com, and they're all over social media. You can find them on Facebook. You can find them on Instagram. Abears combines perfect seasoning with that authentic Cajun flavor. Find out for yourself. Baton Rouge on Jefferson Highway and in Prairieville on Highway 73. abearsmarkets.com. Jesus Christ. Charlie. That right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? I gotta go up to his office. I gotta put his mail in the guy's goddamn hands. But they have been asking for their mail on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. Because the mail never stops. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. There's never a let up. It's relentless. Every day it piles up more and more and more. And you gotta get it out. But the more you get out, the more it keeps coming in. And then the barcode reader breaks. And it's published. It's clearing out. All right, all right, all right. I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. Welcome back in here to the Jordy Colada Show live here on this Tuesday morning from the UDL, driven and powered by Go Chevrolet. Check out Lee Carney, Nick Richard, and their crew over there, Laplace, Louisiana, and here in Baton Rouge at Go Express Auto Sales. Remember, online at GEAUXChevrolet.com. Every Wednesday, we answer your mail questions here. We call it Mail Time. The uh, the time of the segment kind of kind of bounces around, but uh, we do it every Wednesday. Oh, right? we got questions, we got answers. Uh, we will also have our first edition of Booty Calls today with Kayshawn Booty, uh, Boote, uh, and uh, I don't know how this is going to go. We ultimately have a vision for this, and for us to get there might take a little bit, but we are going to have our first interview with our boy today. Um, and uh, Kayshawn's cool, man. He's got that cool demeanor. You well, if you read mean? that thing on on the Athletic, that article about him, they're like, he's not a big talker. He's, he's kind of just kind of stays in his. He's lane. got a great personality, though. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he's not he's by chill. any That's he's, what they said. He's by chill. any means is he not shy, but he's also not. You know, he's he's not an extrovert. You know right. what I mean? Like he's not he's not he's stays not, in his lane. He, absolutely. He reminds me of somebody. He has a very New Orleans personality, but he's not from New Orleans. He has a very New Orleans personality, but he is from uh, he's from Cajun country, man. He's down there in like Opelousas, New Iberia. Um, I feel like he's real cool. Yeah, we're gonna open him up. Yeah, I feel like we're gonna open him up because it's not gonna be all about football. I mean, it's gonna be get your questions in. This is where this is where (laughs) we're gonna utilize that phone. Booty calls. Booty call. Um, I'll probably put something together for him. We need to make an intro. That's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. A lot lot of things you can do though. A lot of Bubba Sparks. Yeah, Bubba Spark. I mean, that, that, it's wide open. It's wide open. It is wide booty open. Is wide open. <laughs> it is wide open. Uh, mailbag questions. What <laughs> we got here? No. Got it. All right. <laughs> First one was on Instagram. Sanjay DM Dustin said, "What's the best dynasty ever? Any sport? Best dynasty ever? Any sport that I've ever seen? Chicago oh, Bulls. Of course. Um, but I mean, does anybody want to debate that? I mean, I the Patriots. Say Patriots. That's I, what I was, I was gonna, gonna say. The Yankees. Uh, Baseball." 
they went on a tear. Like, the 90s. Yeah, the 90s Yankees was, a, I mean, they were a force. 90s Yankees versus 90s Bulls. Put it on the put it in the poll. No, uh, <laughs> who, are you, who are you taking there? That's a good one. That's a good one. That is a, that's a style. I mean, think of, let's see here. Yankees in the 90s won, I believe, five. five. And then, and then the, Bulls the Bulls won six. Six, God, six um, is a killer. I think Michael Jordan gives you the edge. Over DJ, over the captain, over over Derek Jeter. Better nickname, the captain or his airness? Uh, his airness. Mm. Is it is that his official nickname, or would you just go MJ? Got a couple. I mean, Michael Air Jordan. Yeah, um, that's hit. so cool. But, uh, <laughs> Air. I love his license plate on the Ferrari M Air J. M Air, yeah, yeah, have to pull it up the back way mm. with your boy <laughs> standing there playing lookout. <laughs> I just had 15 beers and played 36 holes of golf. Uh, Yankees in the 90s here. Hang on. Um, all right, here we go. Yankees won 1996, 1998, 1999. 2000. And 2000. Okay. Okay. We'll give it to you. LSU baseball? Oh, that's what I was about to say. LSU baseball. LSU's 91, 93, 96, 97, 2000. 2009. Mm. You can't throw the 2009 one in there. I think if you just wait, why? Up. What are we talking about? Oh, well, dynasty, 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 dynasty. Yes, 91 to yes? 2000. Golly, LSU baseball would be good. Uh, Lakers in the 80s, Celtics in the 80s, Celtics in the what? The 60s? Uh, the we don't count that. Russell. Yeah, right. Get out of here. Eleven of them. Um, <laughs> a white guy to another white guy. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Pavlicek steals the ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a ticket tape parade, <laughs> and he missed the layup. <laughs> Not um, a lot of in ones back then. Give me the Bulls in the '90s for me, for me. I think that's the best one, but it is worth debating. Tigers is the Tigers is up there. Yeah, LSU baseball. LSU baseball deserves deserves maybe a spot little, three little on the poll. That'll win. Don't put it up there. That'll win. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Yankees is, is a good debate. But I, I think put, it's I, I think it's Yankees the Bulls, Bulls too. I mean, there. three, three, take a break. Three. That's really the MJ legacy. Cowboys in the '90s. I didn't get enough of the Cowboys in the 90s. I realized that during Jimmy Johnson's Hall of Fame speech. They could have rattled off at least two more with that that roster and Jimmy Johnson, in my opinion, which would have given them four with him, which, in my opinion, would have felt very Patriots-esque. Looking back on yes. it, especially. Looking back on it now would have felt very Patriots modern day, what they have accomplished with... You know, I mean, Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, God. all those guys, man. I mean, that was such a fun team to watch as a kid. Rod I remember Woodson. being in love with that kid. Now, Rod Woodson was a Steeler. Rod Woodson was a Steeler, then a then a Patriot. You're thinking Darren Woodson. Darren Woodson. That's what I'm Darren thinking. Um, but that, you know, that's a that's a what could have been. Jerry's biggest regret Dynasty. has to be. Has to be. Has to I be. mean, when you see him on Hard Knocks, he's trying, first of all, trying to kill himself with the sodium intake, yeah. but. I mean, you could tell in that first interview, he's like, "I'll do anything to win a championship." And he said he did like he like he was talking murder. <laughs> you can still tell that it. I, I mean, I'm just going by what I'm I, I see from Jerry watching Hard Knocks and last night. They didn't give you a lot of in depth on Jones. It was more in week one where you kind of got to see him from a personal aspect. But just the fact that he is at the practice field every single day, and you have all of this. Money. You got this lifestyle that you can do just about anything that be you anywhere. want to do. You could be anywhere in the world. Um, but to see the way that like he still works the phones, talks to 
the 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 young defensive coordinator. He's taking notes. I mean, as invested as he is, is it a part of him that it is because of those '90s teams that keeps him around? I mean, would it have been best if he just kept Jimmy Johnson, won those championships, and then he said, "You know what? Hey, Stephen, you run the place, bro. I'm going to the I'm going to the Caribbean." It might be well. He might have gone to Arkansas and just t- like totally taken that thing over. So it might be a good thing for LSU could fans be. if. But is, is Jerry Jones surrounded by more yes men? I was watching Hard Knocks last <laughs> night, and every time that he's approached on the practice field or walks up to somebody, like, oh yeah, Jerry, yes sir, yes sir. <laughs> yeah, and they're all like the fake media laughs every time he talks to somebody. It's, it's your just boss, like, man. Well, they're terrified of him, sure, because he could. I mean, he could pull Whack a your life. Yes, yeah, so he could ruin, turn you upside down in ten seconds. Yeah, one phone call, just one bad day. You know what I mean? One bad choice, and Jerry can end your life. Not worth approaching. Uh, just stay, steer clear, old Jerry. Uh, give me the Bulls of the 90s. Okay. Best dynasty. What we got next? The next question. This is the one the Lord is talking about buttering you up a little bit. Jordy, first off, no one hypes up LSU football leading up to the season better than you. Ooh. I've never been this hyped after a disappointing season than this one. question is, at what point is the peak of football season excitement for you? In a way, I feel like the buildup happening in the month before the season starts is more fun than some parts of the actual season. With the exception of the historic seasons, I feel the excitement level peak around the first SEC game, and then it's a slow decline until the end. I think the first game of the season is 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 a is a mountaintop moment of of just hype and just excitement of college football being here. That subsides quickly, especially if you're in a week one great game, right? Like, I mean, like the LSU hype, tends to do the hype around Georgia Clemson, the hype around LSU UCLA. I mean, if you're going to be in those stadiums, it's going to be electric. It is going to be like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, just freak out. You know what I mean? Like, it's back type of a feeling. And then I think that comes back intermittently, like during big games, four big games. You know what I mean? The LSU-Alabama game has had that feel where it can it can fire you back up and get you as hyped about a football game as you anticipate football season. You know what I mean? Like, for, for a lot of you, I mean, for a lot of us, I mean, it feels like you were... You, 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 you kind of find that, that, that hype again for big games. I mean, I remember those 20, that 2019 season. I mean, think about the big games that you would watch them play in for... I mean, I remember walking into Tiger Stadium the night they were playing Florida thinking, this is this is hype, bro. This is a big-time college football game. I mean, this kind of has That's a... That's the pinnacle of the sport. Retro Tiger Stadium feel to it. Let's go. You know 100%. what I mean? 100%. Let's go. It was on. It was on. And man. the players can feel that. You get, when Hell they got the swag yes. surf going, bro, well, and I mean, then the whole stadium starts into, doing when, it. When you get into the stadium 45 minutes before kickoff and, and there's 60,000 people there... You know what I mean? Like it's you're like okay. I mean, there there's a lot of nights. I, I remember we did a uh, we did a speaking tour with uh, with a couple of guys um, during the summer, and we were we were talking uh, to a group, I believe in Monroe, and um, and and Jack Hunt was was with us because he was from Monroe, and he was talking a little bit about. It. And he said, you know, some nights the band the bum bum bum. I mean, it just doesn't work. You know what I mean? It just doesn't. There's no feel. Yeah. It doesn't do it for you, man. It just doesn't get you moving. But on those nights where it works, 
those are the nights that the you know the 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 the, the nights that you remember forever. I mean, you know, Hunt was a, a part of that LSU Georgia game in two thousand three that we talked about a couple of years ago. I mean, to hear his point of view of that game, you know what I mean? I mean, you want to talk about chills? You want to talk about goosebumps? You want to talk about just some of the inside stories that you know come from the field level Day of game. those ninety two thousand raining down on you. Um, I mean, the LSU chant after the screen has yeah, to be like the, ultimate, moment, the ultimate LSU. Like That moment. We ain't losing. Yes. Tiger Stadium was full throat. What, Georgia went 88 on a screen, and then just nobody sat down. They just <laughs> rang out, LSU, Tyson Hall Browning, Stadium. bro. Tyson Browning. Made Oof. one man miss. Down the sidelines. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that game one is probably the, the peak of hype. You know what I mean? Like when you get that first, I would kickoff. say first night game, first SEC night game at yeah. Tiger Stadium is. But then I was gonna say, then it, it comes back for big games. It ebbs and flows. Like right, you you can't ride that wave all season long, but you can catch it again in for the middle sure. of the season, or like you know something like nineteen when you play Alabama at the end of the season, you play Georgia in the SEC championship, you play Oklahoma in the in the playoff, you play Clemson in the Nanny. in the final. I mean. All those games, I mean, I remember being like, uh, uh, you know, outside of the Oklahoma game because that was just a tragic day with with, with Carly. Um, it just, you know, I mean, those, those that's what it's all about. 100%. I mean, that's what it's all about. Next question. Got it. Next one. Jacob asks, how good will the class of 2023 be? Yes and no. Football recruiting class. Uh, football. You know what? I don't know that much about that class of 2023 other than Arch Manning, Eli Holstein and Ricky Collins. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't I don't know a lot, especially enough to answer a question. I mean, when we have recruiting when we have recruiting guys on, um, I mean, put that one put that one on the side. Let's bring it bring it back. But I think that it's a very talented group. I mean, I think that, you know, I mean, when you just talk about the quarterbacks alone, uh, you know, Arch Manning, Eli Holstein, and, and Ricky Jayden Collins. Osbury's in there. Yeah, you know, Osbury is a stud. Oklahoma has two of the top three um, crystal ball in 2020. I can't even look ahead to 2023. What are we doing? <laughs> I mean, let's get 2021. Yeah. Put away 2022. We're still, we're still fighting for that class. You know, let's get. You know, we'll get to 2023. But it is. It's not time to look ahead just yet. I mean, Oklahoma. You can't even be excited about that if you have two of the top three. It doesn't mean anything, right? <laughs> Correct. Next what question. Carl asks, talking high school football, who's your favorite in the area to be good this season? Uh, my favorite in the area this season is, um, I think Scotlandville's going to be tough. Scotlandville looks like they're going to be pretty good and just talking to a couple of people around town. Uh, it seems like they're going to be a very good team. Obviously, Madison Prep, when you think about the players that they have over there for the Chargers. Um, but, but I think that... Um, you know, all of it is going to go back through Catholic High here in the middle of the city. I think that Catholic High's got a tremendous roster. They've got a couple of five-star guys waiting to be in. I mean, Shelton Sampson, their wide receiver, is maybe the best when you talk about class of 2023. I mean, he's he's going to be up there. He'll be a five-star guy. Um, I, you know, I don't necessarily know if there's one individual team that I could point out and say this is the, the team to watch University High with the Osbury brothers on that defense and what they're going to look like. I, I don't know what they're going to look like offensively, but I can promise you that Andy Martin and that defense are going to be flying around 
on that side of the ball. When you got players like they got, I mean, a couple of five star, you know, I mean, a five star guy in in, in the youngest Allsbury. Uh, I mean, they're going to be tough. I mean, I want to go watch Catholic High and U High play in that uh, jamboree. Yeah. Um, wanna, they got a big jamboree game. Uh, I think would be a, a really good matchup to see just early on. I mean, you get a matchup of Allsbury on Sampson early on in the season. Cool. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's what I'm talking. I mean, that's that's the stuff that I'm I'm trying to go see, man. I want to go watch who's who, who's the best defense that Walker Howard plays this season. Last year it was you high. I mean, if you ask Rohan, Micah Davy in that squad, they had Walker Howard, Jack Besh, and St. Thomas Moore on the ropes. Two possessions left in the fourth quarter. Now they go Walker Howard, Jack Besh, and ultimately beat you. But you high had them up against the ropes last season, and you know Walker Howard had that same test again against you. I mean, they're going to have to play each other if they make it to the state title. But I'd like to see who's Walker Howard's toughest challenge defensively on the roster. I want to go to that game. I want to go watch that. Game. I want to go see him as as tough of a test that you can give him this year. I want to go see it. Um, I want to go see the toughest offensive lineman that is going to block Quincy Wiggins. Is it going to be against Edna Carr in week one? Probably so. I'd like to go watch that game. I mean, there's going to be so many more players on that. Aaron Anderson will be on that play, uh, on that field. Ty G. Hill will be on that, on that field. I mean, there's going to be... Uh, that's what I want to do. I want to prospect chase. You know what I mean? I want to find the best players, and I want to... Ricky Collins. I want to go watch him play against... Uh, somebody put Scotlandville's uh, roster. Or excuse me. Somebody put Carr, Carr's. Um, oh, some of their games. schedule. Yeah, yeah, week yeah, yeah. one, Madison Prep. Week two, Saint Aug. Week three, Aww. American Heritage in Florida. Week four, Scotlandville. Week five, Saint James. Week six, Warren <laughs> Easton. I mean, bro. The who's the who? I mean, Shaz Preston is playing against Carr in week five. I mean, like, let's go watch that game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. Aaron Anderson and Shaz Preston on the same field. I mean, think about the explosive wide receiver play that you're going to see that night. I'm in. You know, I mean, that's the type of stuff I'm trying to watch. Shaz is making me nervous. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Alabama's pressing the hell out of you. All right. Uh, seems to be our last question. Jeff asked... The Saint, the Vegas has the Saints at nine and a half. Are you taking the over, or the under? He said nine and a half wins. Yeah, he's I taking, am. He's taking the over. Pounding <laughs> the under. Is the under a sucker bet? Because it feels like a sucker bet. What's their schedule? I mean, Tampa Bay is. You have to play them twice. So I'd imagine that's two Green losses. Green Bay in week one. Green Bay is a loss. Spread's only one and a half in that one. You know what? Nick Underhill's coming up next. We'll oh. talk to him. We'll ask him that. Uh, Dwayne Riley, are you doing whiskey or wine or some variation of it? Yes, we are. Uh, we will be doing some type of post-game presence uh, with a whiskey and wine feel to it uh, here on the Jordy Collada Show. What that is going to look like and who is going to be sitting next to me is still yet to be determined, uh, but we will absolutely be in the space to so spread the word. Feelers um, are out there. Nick Underhill is coming up next here on the Jordy Collada Show. Daily, we're brought to you by Bears Specialty Meats. Remember, Bears is located in Jefferson Highway and on Highway 73 in Dutchtown. Shop the freezers if you're looking for something. Who was it that hopped in uh, to the uh, to the chat yesterday that said he heard on the uh, on the show uh, about uh, about the the D-bone stuffed chicken over at A Bears and said that he was going to go by there and pick one up uh, and was uh, and was feeding his family. Hunter Picard, appreciate you, Hunter, for uh, stopping by A Bears. Heard it here on the Jordy Colada show. 
Said he stopped by A-Bear's, picked up the uh, the D-bone stuffed chicken with the crawfish dressing, waiting to get the uh, waiting to get the uh, the breakdown on it. But said there's none left, so obviously it was pretty good. Uh, check it out as uh, as Hunter stopped in over there at Highway 73. Uh, if you're in Baton Rouge, check it out on Jefferson Highway. Lunch specials uh, in Baton Rouge to tell you about, but the freezer selection is fantastic. Online at abearsmeats.com. Next, we'll talk New Orleans Saints with Nick Underhill from New Orleans Football here on the Jordy Collada Show. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Remember, our podcast is brought to you by RB Builders. RMB Builders is a custom home builder offering both new construction and remodeling to Baton Rouge and surrounding areas. They are licensed for commercial as well as residential construction. They can also handle your office renovation or building maintenance. Remember, they are on social media. You can find them on Instagram at RMB Builders LLC or on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash RMB Builders LLC. You can also visit them on their website at www.rmb-builders.com. Go Chevrolet is proud to announce Go Express Auto Sales, the new used car lot located in the capital city of Baton Rouge, Louisiana at 11522 Florida Boulevard. Go Express Auto Sales is online at goexpressautosales.com or you can search them on Facebook and social media at Go Express Auto Sales, the newest addition to the family of Go Chevrolet. Remember, Go Chevrolet is located down in Laplace, Louisiana, but now welcoming aboard Go Express, the new used car lot located in Baton Rouge, Louisiana at 11522 Florida Boulevard. A Bears Specialty Meats, home to the finest boudin in South Louisiana. Two spots right here in Baton Rouge and out in Prairieville. Stop in and see them in the Dutchtown Shopping Center on Highway 73 or right here in Baton Rouge on Jefferson Highway. Online, abearsmarkets.com, and they're all over social media. You can find them on Facebook. You can find them on Instagram. Abears combines perfect seasoning with that authentic Cajun flavor. Find out for yourself. Baton Rouge on Jefferson Highway and in Prairieville on Highway 73. abearsmarkets.com.
We were talking, closing out last segment, nine and a half wins for the New Orleans Saints in Vegas. Over under is the number right now going into the season, debating. We were just going down the schedule. Seems like the Saints could probably get there if they had to. There's I an mean, avenue. I mean, there are some, there are obviously some some up in the air games, some games that, that, that you would, you, you're curious about, but if it falls their way, they got a chance. It feels like, I mean, it doesn't feel like a, a for sure bet either way, right? I mean, it doesn't, I mean, you know, I mean, that's gambling, but Vegas I mean, it's perfect at nine and a half. Um, that's the number. Nine and a half is nine right and where and to half stick is it. The number. They went Nick, through the schedule like we did. Uh, Nick Underhill, who covers the New Orleans Saints uh, better than anybody, New Orleans.football. He's got great information, man. If you're not a, subscriber to New Orleans.football, then you obviously do not want the elite New Orleans Saints information. Uh, The podcasts are great. The breakdowns are great. uh, And as we said, the relationships and information are unmatched. New Orleans.football, Nick Underhill. Does nine and a half wins feel about right in Vegas for you going into the season? Yeah, I think that's that's probably a good line for them. I'd probably take the over on it. I I feel a little more optimistic about this team after seeing the first preseason game, which is probably a mistake making too much of the first preseason game. But it kind of felt like some of the areas of concern got alleviated a little bit. But, look, I think to get to that that 10-win point, I mean, it really comes down to those first six games. And they got to beat Carolina, Washington, New York. And if you can get the three and three, get you know, through the first six games, get David Adimata back, get Mike Thomas back, have Deontay Harris back. I think you can hit that and start rolling and, and be a playoff team. I mean, I still think the high-end talent there is just finding a way to survive until everybody gets back. The quarterback competition is what everybody is talking about after week one in Baltimore. Um, I, I saw where New Orleans.football pretty much ruled it a draw when, when, when you were talking about these two and, and performing. High points for both, but low points for both. As far as the competition is uh, is judged at this point. Where do you have it? I think Jameis is still a little bit ahead. And, you know, I think he was a little bit ahead in, in this game after going through the film and everything. I, I found more good with what he did, um, getting that second look at it. You know, that interception, I, I don't think that was Jameis's fault at all. I mean, that's an NFL throw. You, you get a guy going down the, the sideline, you throw at the back of the cornerback, you get a back shoulder catch, and your six foot four, two hundred twenty five pound receiver either has to catch that or knock it to the ground. The one thing he can't do is put his hands underneath it and flip it up in the air so the safety can get it. And you know that's kind of what happened. And that route too, off that double move, I think you got to stay closer to the sideline. He drifted towards the middle of the field a little bit, so that's something you know they'll clean up. And that, that's a regular preseason mistake that happens on a team. But when you're in this quarterback battle, each guy's throwing twelve passes, and that's eight point three percent of the performance. You put more weight on those things, but. Him going through the two-minute drill, I thought it was exceptional. I mean, he operated that as good as anybody has, uh, you know, through, throughout Sean Payton's tenure in New Orleans. And the touchdown pass, he, he watches the safety, sees where he breaks, and then hits the one-on-one coverage to Will Jordan Humphrey. So I, I thought he made more big-time throws in that game. Um, you know, but that's not taking anything away from Payton. I, I thought his first drive was, you know, elite. I mean, the, the things he was able to do on it, where most of the things that we talked about him not being able to do last year, he got the ball out quickly. He was hitting his first read. He hit a throw on the move to uh, Marquez Callaway. And, you know, oddly, that was one of the the big things that this athletic quarterback couldn't do last year during that four-game sample. When his feet got moving, he couldn't throw the ball. And he fixed that. He's able to do that now. You saw him get the ball out quicker. His footwork was cleaner. As it went on, you know, some of the mistakes came out. There was a miscommunication. Uh, with Ty Montgomery, you know, I, I thought the other play that, that was almost intercepted 
and wasn't on that curl route, you know, I, I thought that was the more egregious mistake by him and not hitting uh, the running back coming out of the backfield. You know, it, that was another thing he was unable to really do uh, consistently last year. So there's still work to do for him. Um, you know, and for Jameis, he gets to start this week. I, I just like to see him do, you know, some things outside of that two minute offense because Sean Payton schemes that better than anybody in the NFL. He was hitting the throws. He operated it well, but you know, I, I just like to see him more in a normal setting before I'm ready to, you know, come on here and say, "Hey, Jameis should be the starter." I think it's still up in the air a little bit, but I think Jameis has the uh, the upper hand right now. If Jameis is named the starter, does Taysom Hill d- does he just serve as the backup on this team, or does he go back to the role of 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 being more of a utility player? I think he needs to go back to that role of being the utility player if he doesn't win the job. I mean. They're paying him, you know, to do things beyond being a quarterback. And look, I mean, he's getting the shot at it. He's lost weight. He's changed his body. He's talked about how he's, you know, not not blocking defensive ends anymore. But if he doesn't win this job, I think that he needs to find a way to, to contribute to the team. And he's too good in all the other things he does. But look, I, I think Taysom would probably embrace that role. I, you know, I know his heart's set on being a quarterback. I don't think he's going to say, no, I'm not doing that. This is what I am now. I mean, I, I think, you know, underneath it all, he's a football player and he wants to contribute and help the team win. So, you know, if he doesn't if he doesn't win the starting job here, I don't know that he's going to win the jo- job anywhere else. You know, I, I don't think anybody's going to come next year knocking down the door saying, hey, like, hey, Seville, we want to sign you so you can be our starter. He, he'd be in another battle. And then if he doesn't win it, it's back to the, the same thing. So, you know, that, that's a path for him to play um, in in you know, I just think that that's what he needs to do, and they got to find a way to get him to embrace it. And I think he will. I, I don't think that would be a hard sell for him. Quan Alexander was on the field yesterday practicing with the Saints, which medically is just almost a miracle. But where does he fit in now on this linebacking core? And this is a position, Nick, that maybe going into the season was a cause of a concern. But now after seeing Zach Bond play a preseason game and, and now having him on the field and the addition of Quan Alexander – What's the status of this linebacking group going into the, the, the final month of camp here before the season starts? That Zach Bond performance was insane. I, was I did insane. not see that coming at all. He was, I think he was the best player on the field for both teams. And Look, maintaining that standard moving forward is probably going to be impossible. He's probably not going to be the best linebacker on the field in every single game that, that he plays. But coming off of last season, look, I think I think a lot of us were looking at him like, hey, like, that was a bad draft pick. Like, where does this guy fit in? They drafted, it looked like they drafted his replacement in Pete Werner. They signed his replacement in Quan Alexander. It looked like this guy they traded two third-round picks for was just buried in the transition from defensive end to linebacker, wasn't going to work. And, you know, lo and behold, he, he's an outstanding player. I think Pete Werner's a really good player from the stuff we've seen. And, obviously, Quan Alexander is, is a high-end linebacker, too, so – a position that, that looked really sketchy for them all of a sudden like might be the deepest and most talented position on this team when you when you factor into Mario Davis too. It's the stuff we're seeing from Zach Vaughn is real and look I, I don't think it, it, there's any way to interpret it any other way. Like he, he's seeing things quickly, he's reacting quickly, he's covering passes in the flat, his blitzing ability is, is out of this world. Like even if it isn't everything perfect ten out of ten performance every time, like I think there's enough skills there that, that we can safely say that he's a usable linebacker and he might be much better than that. So when Quan comes back, I, I think he's actually going to move right away into that, that starting spot. They're uh, getting him some teamwork there now, which is unbelievable. What, what seven and a half, eight months removed from the Achilles uh, surgery. And he, he broke up a pass yesterday. Like, it's not like he's out there, like, dragging his leg around. Like, he, he's moving well, and he looks good. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, 
So, yeah, I think he's going to assume that. And then, you know, probably in running situations like they did last year when they're in their base defense, Quan will probably come off the field and you got competition between Bond and P. Werner now probably to get those stocks. And before this game, I would have said P. Werner had the upper hand on it, but I, I think Bond's in the driver's seat on that spot. Werner needs to get back from his uh, leg injury and, you know, start competing quickly because if that's who Bond is, I mean, it, it's going to be hard to go to Werner in those situations. So, they got a lot of options there. And look, Cade Nellis, another guy we, we, I didn't mention. I mean, he, he played out soon, and they just have a ton of linebackers, which is weird for a team. You know, for years, that, that is been a spot they haven't been able to draft and develop. Now they can. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a good spot for them. That, that whole front seven, I think, is a lot better than we thought it was going to be. NewOrleans.football is the website. You can follow Nick Underhill on Twitter at Nick underscore Underhill is where you can find him on social media a must-follow for New Orleans Saints fans, and a subscription that you got to get before the season starts if you want the latest on the Saints news uh, from the uh, from the man with the, the, the best relationships and with the, the, the best information. Um, you got an explanation on why Marcus Davenport was still on the field into the third quarter on preseason game number one? I think he has you know, some things to, to prove. And look, he's another guy that played really, really good. Um, and their depth at that position is just down a little bit with Peyton Turner being hurt. And they were giving David Onyemata snaps at, at uh, defensive end, which isn't really his position. Just not to mess up those rotations and, and be able to get through it. But, I mean, Davenport, though, I mean, he, he's, and I'm scared to say this because we've been burned by him year after year, buying into the, the, the potential and the ability and, you know, all these things. And then the season comes in and it just doesn't quite come together and you get moments but the moments are never lasting this camp I'm, again i'm scared to say this but start to finish like every single day he is dominating practice after practice in this game he dominated start to finish i think he played 12 pass rushing snaps and had five pressures i mean he was in the backfield the whole entire game I, I'm, I'm ready to buy back in and look like an idiot i mean it's, it's, it's just, there's, just no, there's just no way to, to, to ignore what he's doing because it, it's just so consistent and it's never been a matter of his ability and the things that, that he can do it's just you know his health and i think physically and mentally he's talked a lot about how he lost his confidence and he's reading twitter reading articles and people are bagging on him and, he, and it starts messing with him and then you know he, he doesn't know how to how to handle that on the field like if he's figured out the source of these frustrations and the source of, of the things that have held him back from being what he can be and, and can actually stay away from the negative stuff and maintain a positive attitude and play, I, I think he can go out there and have a really good season. I, I don't know, you know, you can have the 10-sack season that a guy that you traded two first-round picks for probably should have. But, I mean, I think he, he can be more productive than he was last year and, and be, you know, a much better player. And if he is out and Cam Jordan still Cam Jordan and Peyton Turner gives you just anything, and I, I think he will, that edge rush group can be really good. Now, you take out Trey Hendrickson, that's 12 shots you're missing, so I don't know if it's going to be better than last year, but I think it could still be a really good group. Sticking to the defensive side of the ball, what are the Saints going to do at defensive back? We were going through the list of free agents yesterday, and I could not find a name that I recognized outside of Richard Sherman, who's in a little bit of trouble in his own right, and then Brian Poole, who they already signed, and then there was a Buster Screen sighting, and I don't think anybody wants to see that. So what is what's their plan on on the defensive uh, defensive backfield side of the ball? You know, I think the original plan was Richard Sherman, and you know that stuff happened and, and things kind of fell apart. So, you know, they're still looking around. I think anybody that that's available is is someone that they're gonna you know probably be in on. Um, you know, you go down the, down the list, the the guy in Jacksonville. I mean, I'm sure that's someone they're looking at. Um, 
Oakland. They had a second-round pick on that, I believe his name is. He was the top-two guy on their team, and now, now he's falling down the depth chart a little bit and probably isn't going to start for them. Denver has, you know, an excess of, of defensive backs, and someone's probably going to slide down, and maybe they become available. I think those are the kind of options they're going to look at, like, as far as a trade. You know, Stephon Gilmore would obviously be, like, the guy for any team that needs a cornerback. I just don't think that's a realistic option for, for New England to actually trade him. Um, so I think you start looking at guys that, that maybe aren't going to have the same role that are a little bit expendable and possibly, you know, try to get a team to give one of those guys up. If not, you know, I, I don't know who it is in, in that free agent group. I mean, like you said, I mean, it, it, it's Slim Pickens at this point there. Yeah, they had uh, they have some guys trying in. Uh, they got in yesterday. Some tried out yesterday. Some are trying out today. I don't have a full list of names yet, but you know the few names I had heard. You know, I had to look them up. I mean, I, I hadn't heard of these players before, and you know that that's kind of where it's it's at right now. And if you are looking for CB two, like a certified one, it's it's probably going to be hard to find that player uh, just straight up in free agency. But you know, I I thought Paulson Adebo played pretty good in this game. So if that's who he is and he can keep that up, and Ken Crawley's, you know solid it's not a great situation but if your pass rush is good if you get stuck with these guys and they are who they're showing who they are right now if that's how they remain throughout the season it's not as scary as it felt you know a few weeks ago it's still scary and it's probably not the greatest situation and i think you look at it and still kind of foresee the end where at some point the opposition is going to burn you and cost you a lot you mentioned you mentioned oh go ahead no, no, you got it. Okay, you mentioned some names that were that that the Saints might trade for, but what do the Saints have to offer in a trade situation? I feel like with Michael Thomas, doesn't seem to be a viable trade option at this point, as he was on the sidelines catching the passes from Jameis. So I just don't know if the Saints want to give up a first round pick to get a corner this year. So what are some other trade options that they might do to get a corner? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think any of those guys would really realistically be a first round pick. Maybe maybe the Jacksonville guy. Um, but, I mean, there's something obviously very wrong with him if they're already willing to give up on him and, and shop him around this quickly. So I, I don't think a team would, would even really go in with that kind of offer. And if they want to move him, I, I think it'd probably be a little bit less. So, I mean, you, you try to get a guy for maybe like a second or a third. Um, if you're trading players, I mean, there might suddenly be some linebacker depth. So maybe you, you throw a linebacker in there. But, you know, a linebacker for a cornerback, that's, the positional value doesn't really match up. So it, it would have to be some set of picks. But yeah, I mean, you're talking a first round pick. Like, you need a for sure answer. You aren't trading for a, a number two guy that maybe competes with Ken Crowley and Paulson Adebo. Like, it has to be a significant upgrade. And that type of player, again, I mean, teams don't trade cornerbacks that are good. I, you, either you need them now or you're going to need them later. And, and that's just a position where you hold on to your depth, really, for, for dear life, unless there's something wrong. And, you know, I, I, just, I just think it's going to be hard for them to find that certain answer unless, you know, Something happens like a Janoris Jenkins situation where a player just does something and the team says, you know, we're done with this guy. we got to get rid of him. We're, we're cutting him. But those situations are far and few between. So it, it's going to be tough for them to find that answer that they want on, I don't know, what's today, August 16th or whatever it is. Like, that's just not the time when August 18th. It's, it's yeah. just not the time when you go out and find a cornerback. I mean, it's, the shopping period is over. Fit in great here on the Jordy Colada Show. Dates and times don't matter around don't here, matter. bro. What time <laughs> doesn't, doesn't matter. Is it Thursday or Tuesday? <laughs> Hell, it's Wednesday. Um, it's not Saturday or Sunday. Last one. I'll get you out of here on this one. Nick Underhill, the best in the business who's covering the Saints. Get your subscription today, NewOrleans.Football. I would do it just for the podcast alone, but the information is spectacular and really unmatched. Um, just for us here in, in this world, is the Aaron Rodgers smoke for real? 
for next year? But I'll say any quarterback that's out there, I think they're gonna they're gonna be in on it. If Aaron Rodgers had become available this offseason, like I wouldn't have been surprised at all if it reports started coming out that they were in on him hard or in you know, pause I probably should have phrased that differently, but if they were in on him uh, much, much differently, you know, if the interest was, was very high. Uh, it wouldn't yes. surprise me at all. Look, anyone though that that, that shakes free next offseason and there might be a handful of options. If Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, if it isn't the surefire answer, you know, I, I just don't think the Saints are going to sit on their hands while, while all these guys are out there. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's for real. I would speculate, though, that, that you know, I just wouldn't be surprised by any of that stuff with the quarterbacks. I mean, I think they got to be there if, if someone shakes free. Nick Underhill with a rager this morning <laughs> here on the Jordan Miller <laughs> Show. Great information as always, my friend. We'll talk soon. All right, have a good one. All right, man. Uh, there's uh, Underhill checking in this morning from New Orleans. Football with uh, yes, uh, R&B Builders uh, get in touch with Rhett. Yes, <laughs> a lot of wood. R&B Builders with uh, Rhett Bourgeois and his crew. Custom made homes. If you need one, if you need uh, work done around the house, if you need a total rehaul and total reconstruction, get in touch with R&B Builders. Rhett Bourgeois, his crew. RMB-Builders.com. No job is too big. No job is too small for RMB Builders. First-hand testimony here from the Jordy Colada Show. They've helped out Katie getting back to her house, getting back into her house. They've done the same for me after the flood. They're the best. RMB Builders. RMB-Builders.com is where you can find them online. We'll be back with more of the Jordy Colada Show. you got food questions. Get them in to the uh, to the app. Get them into the chat. we got Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois next here Talking all about it, presented and driven by Go Chevrolet. Now to announce Go Express Auto Sales, the new used car lot located in the capital city of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, at 11522 Florida Boulevard. Go Express Auto Sales is online at goexpressautosales.com, or you can search them on Facebook and social media at Go Express auto sales the newest addition to the family of go chevrolet remember go chevrolet is located down in laplace louisiana but now welcoming aboard go express the new used car lot located in baton rouge louisiana at 11522 florida boulevard gearing up for spring and summer down here in south louisiana and you want to keep your lawn maintained during these sunny seasons get in touch with our friend blake a bear over at a bears lawn maintenance where he says you grow it i mow it 225-485-8022, 225-485-8022 is where you can find Bears Lawn and Maintenance, the official lawn and maintenance company of the undisclosed location. Papa Earl's, the fine spice, originating right down here in South Louisiana by our guy Mark Pop Norman. Developed it back in 2018 and won Amazon's Newcomer of the Year in 2019. They pride themselves in having 30% less salt and sodium than the leading brands at the same price point. You can find them locally. Look for Papa Earl's at Rouse's, Calandro's, Matherne's, High Neighbor, and more. Bear's Specialty Meats, home to the finest boudin in South Louisiana. Two spots right here in Baton Rouge and out in Prairieville. Stop in and see them in the Dutchtown Shopping Center on Highway 73 or right here in Baton Rouge on Jefferson Highway. Online, abearsmarkets.com, and they're all over social media. You can find them on Facebook. You can find them on Instagram. Abears combines perfect seasoning with that authentic Cajun flavor. Find out for yourself. 
Baton Rouge on Jefferson Highway and in Prairieville on Highway 73. abearsmarkets.com. Welcome back here to the Jordy Colada Show. Many thanks to Nick Underhill for stopping by, dropping some New Orleans Saints information. Check him out, neworleans.football.com. Every Wednesday, we talk to our chef, our in-house chef, South Louisiana's own, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois. Of course, uh, he's over on the Meat Eater YouTube channel now, but still Duck Camp Dinners is the spot where you can find him there. Doing so much stuff. Got the Spiceology happening. Uh, you hear him here. You can see him on the, uh, on the uh, Meat Eater YouTube uh, he's all over the place. My favorite is JeanPaulBourgeois.com, which is a great website that tells you everybody he's affiliated with, where you can find all of his media, and you can also shop uh, his products there uh, as well. Uh, Chef, good morning. How are you? Great to talk to you. Good, good morning, Jordy. Thanks for thanks for that beautiful little intro there, and uh, appreciate that, and uh, hope everybody's doing good this morning absolutely it's great to have you back in fact we were uh watching duck camp dinners this morning as we were going through our preparation and getting ready for the show uh we had it on in the background and just listening uh and and watching uh some of the production uh and we had somebody right right in uh that that had seen it lester Abair really enjoyed john paul's short series on meat eater uh talking about following you on youtube but also saw you guys getting ready creatively for another season of duck camp dinners what is that process like for you and your crew well it's um for me and the crew the crew the crew is just happy to just drink beer um, and get out of the house from a strategy point of view it's been much more um you know we've learned a lot from making season one and we want to kind of we want to embolden all the things we did right and what people loved about season one uh, but be a little more organized in the process i mean we filmed season one in five days we filmed six episodes in five days and um and our director daniel bagby who's a genius and has an incredible eye when it comes to the production he's you know, it was my idea and it was my place and my story I want to tell, but he's the one who really made it come to life and connected it with people. And um, he basically produced every episode in no more than two weeks, which is unheard of from that kind of point of view, considering how many hours of footage we had and so on. So now we have the ability to really take our time planning. We're taking much more time to, to film uh, this series. Yeah. And then the, we have months of production to put it all together. So um, we're really excited about it. To say the, the to say the crew is excited is an understatement for sure. We're all really pumped. I think we're more pumped for duck season more than we're pumped for 
duck hunt dinner season, right. but either way, uh, it's going to be a good time. Your crew's incredible, and I think the thing that is most endearing about the, 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 the way that the show is put together is that you can tell the, the lifetime relationships that are embedded with you guys, very natural. I mean, it's almost like the camera is not there. Um, is there a pressure now in year two? Because it seems so easy in year one, and I speak to this just because of being almost in the entertainment industry. Usually when you, you get out there and you set something out to the public, there comes now with an expectation when you, you try to go back and do it again or try to recreate something. Do you feel that from your point of view? I'm just curious, just being kind of in and around the same space. Yeah, yeah. I There is a certain pressure, if you will, uh, to create a great season two. I'm so confident yeah. in our places that we're going and the crew that we have that, like, I have no worries about it being, I mean, it's, season one was a good litmus test for what people wanted. And I think what people wanted was an authentic, like, we what we did was disrupt the, the cooking conversation mm-hmm. around hunting and hunting and fishing and we disrupted the hunting video and situation around hunting and fishing and we put them together in a in a way that I think you're going to see a lot more people try to replicate um and so that was our litmus test and now um we have I can't I'm not going to I'm going to keep a lot of season 2 a surprise but I can tell you that the we're, we're going to be in South Louisiana but the places that we're going to be and the people we're going to be with are just going to kind of, again, embolden all those things that we loved about season one and, um, and have, have some more storytelling in there as well. Oh, yeah. So like we have a pressure to create season two, but I'm confident it's going to be um, awesome. What I'm really curious about speaking frankly is like now that my crew and everybody from, from, from the process has seen, what we kind of wanted to turn out with, with season one, how are they going to be? How are are they going to change? You know, like, because you're right. When, when you went into season one, I told the camera crew, I was like, we just need to film from like sunup to sundown. And we'll, we'll cut up the, we'll cut up the episodes after that. Right. And we'll make episodes from it. I know that. And we had a loose, very loose kind of episodic structure, if you will. Yeah. Um, but, I didn't know how it was going to come out. I didn't know how my friends were going to receive that. And I didn't know how they were going to act on camera and came out that they were great and perfect. And they were just themselves. And I, and I'm pretty sure it will be the same for season two, but now they know like, wait, I can say that again. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) you know, I can, um, take a different take on that or yeah, yeah, exactly. So, they, they have an insight now what we want it to be, and they see how everybody's responded to it. And I think, uh, you know, like Louisianans, we're, we're kind of natural characters in the, in right. just in general, and we're typically pretty good storytellers. And um, I think our accents help and just our way of life and being authentic in that really helps people from outside of Louisiana, like be entertained and get it and understand and feel authentic. And those guys are just going to be great at that. And um, I'm going to lean on them some more this year for sure, though. And that was going to be my question is, it's, you know, by, by all accounts, it's a TV show. So, and, you know, usually there's a, like a, I don't want to call it like a writer's room, but there's ideas that are tossed around. You almost have like a loose script. But it seems like on your show, you're just letting your boys be your boys. Y'all are all hanging out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So myself and, and Daniel and the other cameraman and the photographer, 
we all have what we want to get out of season one. Um, and for the most part, for the most part, like the writing room section, right? The, that creative ide- ideation kind of moments of all the pre-production that go into the sh- a show like this. You know, we have ideas about what we want to talk about and say, but there's really no telling what's going to happen once you get out to the camp and start getting on the water and in the blinds and talking about things. In the it's beers. just inevitable. Yes, in the beers and everything. It's just inevitable that um, what happens in the conversations that happen within the camp and the duck blind and around food and culture and conservation and hurricanes and you name it, X, Y, Z, um, it's going to evolve and change as we go. And so uh, at, in a certain way, you kind of, you, you make this, it's not a script, but you have these ideas of things that you want to touch on, food you want to cook, um, just different elements of the show. And you're like, okay, this would be great for this one, this, and boom, 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 boom. But really, like, nobody has that piece of paper out when you're in the moment because you're, you're really filming something that we do all the time. Like, we're not, we're going to a duck camp. We have to cook food. We hunt ducks. We drink beer. We, we talk shit. We talk about conservation, you know, like, and, and you're just filming it, you know what I mean? So I can write all the ideas I want on paper. That paper will likely not come out until maybe when I'm in bed at night and I'm like, you know, cross-eyed looking at this paper (laughs) and like, Oh, we could have got this. We forgot about getting this, you know, but I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, how cool! Because I I saw you reference it when you were sitting in the dunk uh, in the duck blind of like looking back at old memories from whether it be like your dad, your uncle, your grandparents of them at the duck camp. How cool is it that you're creating these memories in these digital files that whether it's your kids or your kids' kids <clears throat> or whoever it is? Because that to me is a very cool experience of the camp. Like that kind of goes unsaid that that photo album that either sits like in the the master bedroom or on the coffee table that has like collected these memories from 50, 60 years that now you'll be able to have these where you could just go hit play on YouTube and people will be able to reference these these great, you know, like sunrises over the the Gulf in, you know, 2020. You're absolutely right. And selfishly. Uh, I, I created this show just as much for me as I did for yeah, everybody else sure. for that exact reason. Um, and you're, you know, you're hungry. I love the old, um, the photos and duck camps and fishing camps around Louisiana. I love reading field notes mm-hmm. that some, some folks kept at their duck camps and our fishing camps and they didn't get destroyed by hurricanes through the years. Just amount, the type of ducks they shot, the amount of ducks they shot, the temperature, of the morning, the wind speed, and so on and so forth, I find them fascinating. And I think we're really fortunate in a lot of ways, in some ways unfortunate, but in a lot, in many ways fortunate to have this digital age that we're able to log all this stuff in a way that is like digestible through entertainment. And, um, and we can share those field notes, if you will, with the world in this way. And, um, you don't need to have that physical book. I still love keeping a physical journey, a journal of field notes. And I think they're really helpful when you go 20 years down the road and you're talking about environmental change and conservation. Um, but you know, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, it's just, I love creating what I'm, um, doing right now. And I would love, I love the idea. Don't know if it's going to happen. 
But I love the idea that 20 years down the road, me and my son or daughter, sons or daughters are watching this and uh, at the duck camp on their whatever they're going to have, maybe much more than an iPhone. Maybe it's something much more rad 20 years from now. (laughs) Yeah, we're back to like just two television. We've gone, we've circled all the way back into technology. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I I just, I I love that idea. I create it selfishly for me. If it doesn't happen, then at least I'll have it and my friends will have it. And that's what I thought. I was like, even if we didn't do a season two, we, my friends, right, the six, seven guys involved in that show would have it for a lifetime. That was enough for 100%, me. 100%. Um, 100%. So. I, I love the fact that my son or my grandkids or my great-grandkids, like you say, selfishly, will always be able to go back and reference an interview that I did, and they'll be able to just pull it up. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just yeah. something kind of kind of goes unsaid in our industry that, that is that is being filed and, and being almost like a, a digital library being built. Yeah, and I think there's a, there's something really important about documenting, right, like history. Mm-hmm. Um, and the duck history, the waterfowl history, although goes back hundreds of years before duck camp dinners, you know, I'm starting where I could. And at some point, I'm documenting the history of this area. And in the case that Gibson, Louisiana is gone someday, which – is not out of the side of the realm of possibility considering its its orientation to saltwater or any low-lying brackish to saltwater area that we have on the coastline. Um, you know, I think it's a great documentation in, in a lot of ways and why you see, you know, why they make documentaries in the first place. Amen. You know, yeah. you want to you make record of them and, um, and let people know that they were there and or, this was happening at a certain point. Chef, I was perusing your Instagram, and I saw you did a roasted speckle belly. I've always used speckle belly as in a gumbo, so I've never seen it cooked that way. Is that something that you have to almost be a chef to be able to do, or is it something that's rather simple? Because I know speckle belly is something that when you hunt, it's a lot. that's a lot of what you get in South Louisiana is a lot of speckle bellies flying around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I love speckle bellies. I didn't get to really hunt them until about two years ago when I started venturing out into Arkansas and southwest Louisiana. And – they are, I mean, for me, some of the best piece, pieces mm-hmm. of eating waterfowl. I will say with most waterfowl, and that goes from Canada goose, the big honkers, all the way down oh. to teal duck. I think it is best for you to cook the legs, legs and thighs, separately from the breast. And um, for most ducks, you can cook just like that. You can roast that breast meat on the bone, which is what I did on that speckle belly. And I just smeared it with like a rub of garlic, basically like, like garlic puree, get mashed garlic, essentially chopped rosemary and Dijon mustard and, uh, and cracked pepper over the top. And then I drizzled it with some honey when it came out. That was the roast. That's I roasted those goose breasts like that to 135 degrees, removed them, rested them, took it off the bone and then sliced them. And that's the picture that you saw. But the leg meat I made stock out of, then I pulled the meat, and then I made a pasta out of the meat. Like I, So I created this kind of egg noodle pasta, roasted mm. mushrooms, bacon, and some Parmigiano-Reggiano, and made it like a pasta. So I had this kind of dish, this whole goose cooked perfectly the way I wanted it to, but I had to go through the process of creating two different dishes because the legs just don't 
roast in time. Like they're not done in time for the press. And by the time the legs are done, if you keep the breast on, the breast is going to be overdried and um, and overcooked, which is why a lot of Louisianans, which is not a bad thing, I call Cajun food the great equalizer of game. Uh, and so if you don't like game meats or the way game tastes good, there's a good uh, bet there that if you make it into a Cajun dish, somebody will like it because um, it's just a great equalizer. And in gumbos, you can just cook all that together till it all falls apart, right? Right. But if you're not going to put it into that, then separate them, cook the legs separately, and like something that can go a little longer, like making a stock or a chili or something like that, or gumbo, and then take the breast and then roast them very simply, season them, get a good, like, you know, wet marinade or dry seasoning on them, roast them to 135, rest them, take them off the bone like you would Thanksgiving, and then slice them in like those, those slices like I did. You mentioned roasting to 135. Am I a fool for not having a meat thermometer? I just eyeball everything and then kind of, you know, it's a lot of skillet cooking, a lot of chicken breast on a mm. cast iron skillet or on the grill, and I just kind of, you know, give it the old chef eyeball. Do I need to invest in a meat thermometer? I think when it comes to um, foods, especially that you want to cook to a mid-rare medium, especially just wild game is, you know, it's very, um, it's, it's, there's a line that once you cross it, you can't come back, and it's very thin. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, it helps to have a meat thermometer in that case or just a, like a, a – for, for example, that that goose would have done well just with a um, – you know, you have the probes that stay in the meat, and they have a wire that comes out of the oven, and you they connect to a little digital thermometer uh, on the outside that you can kind of – it's a magnet or whatever, or now they even make them Bluetooth and stuff like that. And so you don't even have to keep opening the oven to check your temp. The probe is already mm-hmm. always in there, and you can read it rise from, you know, 40 degrees from the from the time you put it in the oven all the way to that 135 mark. In steaks and stuff, I don't, I've never probed my steaks because I've cooked literally thousands and thousands and thousands, and I can, I'm pretty good at just with the touch and feel, you know. Um, but, you know, I think it just really depends, and if you have, for example, like prime rib, prime rib is a great example of you should have a meat thermometer um, just because you it's a big hunk of meat. Right. You want to make sure that, you know, you're not you're not making it too medium to where, you know, it's not that, you know, luscious kind of red velvet in the center. Um, and, and just a good way to do that is a meat thermometer. And they make some really good digital probes that are handy. Uh, that are accurate for, I don't know, 20, 30 bucks, like Thermopop, Thermopin, Thermoworks, uh, Meter is another one. So, um, you know, all those work really great. Uh, Chef, last one, we'll get you out of here. And Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, every week here on the Jordi Collada Show, hit him on the Meat Eater YouTube, or you can find him at jeanpaulbourgeois.com, which is his great website uh, that explains everything. He's also got great social media. Follow him there. Uh, football season is 17 days away from right now to kick off the season. If you've got one tailgate must or maybe even must learn because there's a couple of weeks here before the season, uh, for the tailgate, what would you advise at, uh, at every tailgate or at least one's trying to entertain? From a food standpoint. Hmm. From a food standpoint. Food. From That's a right. food standpoint. <laughs> yes, right. I mean, let me clarify. like... I mean, personally, if I'm just talking like just really simple and I know going to be delicious and from a, from a tailgate, 
the first thing that pops in my my mind is a just a really great like smash burger, right? Okay. And I think we're all very familiar okay. with hamburgers at tailgates. And it's and when I when I say smash burger, I mean like okay. For example, I probably put more thought and technique into creating a great smash burger than I did that goose recipe. <laughs> and so and so to your point about about does it take a chef to create this goose recipe? I I would say no for the, for the fact that I know that the amount of thought I put into how do I, how I create a good cheeseburger is just as thoughtful as how I did that goose breast. And I think more people would have a lot more fun eating cheeseburgers and serving cheeseburgers. I like doing it kind of like to order, not to order, but I like to have like just a hot grill, like I'm at a, like I'm at a uh, waffle house and I'm a short order cook. Right? I mean, that's just, I like got a, I got a hot grill going. I got all my mise en place ready to go. And you what? You want a single? You want a double? You want cheese? You want American or cheddar? You want grilled onions with it? All right, cool. And I and I and I can and I can kind of fling that out, you know, two or three at a time, depending on what people want. Now, in and LSU tailgates, when you're talking 30, 40, 50, 100 people in one area that eat big pots of jambalaya, that's a different story. But if you were with your friends, like five, six, ten people, I think it's good to have like a good griddle, good hot griddle, some fresh burger meat, have all your trimmings and like really create exceptional cheeseburgers that way. And not just, you know, I just think the classics are so phoned in at this point in a lot of ways. Um, I think if you got to, if you really thought about them with a little more intention, you can really create some memorable tailgate moments. That is our chef. He is online at jeanpaulbourgeois.com, and you can find him here every Wednesday. Find him on YouTube. He's on the Meat Eater YouTube for Duck Camp Dinners. They are fantastic entertainment. If you're looking to touch back home into South Louisiana, if you're from South Louisiana and just want a piece of home and see what happens down at the Duck Camp, hit up Duck Camp Dinners on the Meat Eaters YouTube, and make sure and tune in every Wednesday here to the Jordy Collada Show to, tick out, to uh, check out Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois. Have a great day, man. We'll talk again soon. Thank you, guys. Enjoy your week. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There he is, the uh, the chef, checking in this morning from uh, from South Louisiana. As daily, we're brought to you here by Johnson Spillers, our dentist with Johnson Spillers. Remember, get in touch with uh, Doctor Spillers, Doctor Johnson. Two locations right here, Baton Rouge, and uh, of course in uh, in Gonzales, out on Prepara Avenue. All of the uh, the dentist needs, all the dental needs that you may be looking for, whether you're looking for just a basic teeth cleaning or you need some pediatric work done with kids uh, that need the dentist, uh, stop in and see Johnson and Spillers. They can help you out online, johnsawspillers.com and on social media. Uh, appreciate everybody for being out there today. Nick Underhill was fantastic on his Saint stuff. Uh, make sure and get the uh, get to the website at neworleansaints.com. Uh, how about Joel Embiid? That we did not Got talk about a couple of things that the a couple of things that we left on the uh, on the cutting room floor. Uh, Travis Kelsey without a beard looks frightening. Awful. Wait, I have the picture. Hold it, on. I mean, buddy, are you kidding me? There has to be. He had to be. Oh no! What have I done to well, myself? Yeah, well, it's 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 the combination of the haircut and the shave. He, in my opinion, the shave totally freaks out people that have recognized. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know who he was. I would not recognize yeah, him. No. He had to walk in that locker room. And be like, who is who? Who's 
But who's cosplaying as Travis Kelsey? <laughs> I, I would not know who he was if he walked in. He looks so, like, unidentifiable. He went from, I mean, like, cool white rapper cool, cool to I push a lawnmower for a living. Or, like, more even, even like a... Like oh, a like yeah. a like a teacher like yeah. a a freaky creepy that weirdo. Mean, I want to say like gym class. Like it's just crazy. It's just so weird, That's man. Crazy. It is. So it, I mean, he looks like he pushes like wholesale lawn services, or works at like a, or just like a door to door salesman. Just, uh, maybe like a um, what what who the, like who are the Bible thumpers that come to your door? Jo- uh, Jehovah, Jehovah Witness. Witness. He looks like a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, he does. He absolutely does. And then the other picture, he has to grow that thing back ASAP. Yeah, Is that right. how you feel? Whatever you go bare? Because uh, it's a look. For, my, like, that's my your... first, golly, my, my initial reaction was, I hope I don't freak people out like that when I shave. because I It's mean, jarring to me whenever you shave. Like, full, like, to the skin. It's just like, whoa. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I got to imagine it has that, that impact on people because I just... I, I rarely do it. Right. And so, I, like, I mean, that's the first time. Travis Kelsey's been in the league for at least, what, like seven years. I've never seen him without a beard. I've never seen yeah. him without a beard. And his it's, his beard isn't any, even something that's, no, like, crazy. No, it's not. It's not crazy. But it's... It, it hides it's so just, much of the face it, fat. It also, it also is a great win for beards. Yeah. Right? I mean, like... For men? The, sales, <laughs> the, the salesmanship on the beard just went through the roof. I mean, the stock on beard just went soaring after that picture of Travis Kelsey of a side-by-side and went with him. I mean... I can't grow one. Well, you know what? I mean... Maybe I'll get some of that lucky you. and put it on my face. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it'll take. It's a thing. It's a thing. People do it. <laughs> uh, but that was that was crazy to find out that Travis Kelsey looked like an accountant without a beard. He looks um, like he's a witness protection. <laughs> yeah, he does. He absolutely it's does. It's unbelievable the difference. He does. It is. It's incredible. Uh, Joel Embiid is, uh, goodness gracious, man, four-year extension for Embiid at $196 million supermax. He will make $49 million a year uh, for the uh, for the Philadelphia 76ers. Are you okay with that? I mean, They're not going to win anything. I guess that, you have to pay your guys. I but guess so, man. That NBA money is getting up to that MLB money. It is. It's stupid money in the NBA, man. And the thing about the MLB money compared to the NBA money is that there's not as many players. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, right. the rosters are so shrunk. I mean, the I mean, look at what Josh Hart is getting. Josh Hart sat in a three-year extension for $38 million, right? Which is roughly a little over 10 a year, making about 13 a year, 12 a year. Yeah. Um, and he averages... He's off the bench. He averages ten and six. Right. You know what I mean? Like, not to say that I, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm putting my I nose up at ten and yeah. six. But basketball players out there, and I, I understand that this that's there's not a lot of you that can crack into that league at the elite level. But once you crack in, if you're ten and six, you're making you're, you're a making player. thirteen million a year in 2021. A million a point. I mean, think about in three years from now, it's going to be. 15 million a year. You know what I mean? For a guy like Josh Hart. I mean, think about the money. And again, I love Garrett Temple. Garrett Temple is a friend of mine, but think about the amount of money that Garrett Temple has made playing NBA basketball as never being a superstar, never being the first, second, third, hell, even fourth option on his team. And just the life 
that you can create. I mean, I, I would be. Are you looking up his his career earnings? Right I, I'd say sixty million dollars. On on he's currently making like five million a year. Sure, but I mean, he signed right. two contract. He signed a contract right. with Sacramento that was worth nearly thirty five. This says, and then Chicago signed him to a a total of thirty two point five million. Thirty two point five million, and he's he's just a good locker room guy, right? Yeah. I mean, like he's a solid. NBA player, you know, I mean, he's just solid, you know, I mean, look at his stat line. What's his career stat line? I got, yeah, I got salary, $30 million. That's, I mean, and he's about, and he just keeps getting it. It's not, yeah. it's not the totality of it. It's the, it's the frequency with which he's able to get that yearly his total nut. 6.5 points. Six and a half points a game. Make your career earnings of 35 million bucks. Four million a point. Still in the still in the game. I mean, he's still in it. I mean, I, I wouldn't. You'd have to kick me out the NBA. <laughs> Absolutely, hundred percent. Yes, and I'll, until that thing goes down to half a point a game. Well, I mean, that's why some of those guys, those lifers, hang on at the end. I mean, like Philip Rivers. Not to say that he needs the money, but well, I mean, he's got fifty-five kids. Why walk away it. from it? Yeah, if you're gonna pay me, I'll do it. Why? Why walk away from this lifestyle and that paycheck if I'm still invested in it? You know, I mean, a guy like Patrick Robinson doesn't sound like there's enough money in the world for him to even consider playing. Like, he's not he's not really interested in playing right. no, like, anymore. That, that's the other side of the coin. Whenever you're done, you're done. You can pay me. It's like, I, I, I can't even do it. Like, yeah. I can't, I'm I can't telling fake you all, it. Yeah, I, can't, I don't want to be out here. I can't fake it. The only person I've seen recently to walk away from actual money on the table and still have his game is Pat McAfee. And he was a punter. And he just said, no, I want to do my own thing. He bet on himself. Yeah, he bet on himself, and I'm sure I I don't know what the money equates to, but I mean I'm sure that NFL money was probably easier for him to get because he's already in the league. Like he did all the hard work, and he's like, well, I'm gonna start my own company, and like I'm sure I wonder what the payoff was in his mind if he'd have rather just stuck around with the Colts and made yeah 15 million in two years or you know worked his ass off and started his own show and then probably didn't get as much. I'm sure he has it now. Can't replicate doing something you love. Yeah, and if He's you just don't boys. love it, yeah, I mean, you just it's don't like love Chef it. You're just not in it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I wonder how many NFL players, especially those backup guys, that probably have lost the sense of being able to get that second big contract. Like you can stay in the league, but you're going to be a, you know, two to five million dollar a year type player, which is good. You years. know, it's a good life, and you know, you're you're, you're financially. You, you, if you can invest right and take care of your money, I mean, you're really set for the rest of your life. But I wonder how many of them look at NBA players that are averaging six and a half points for their career and have career earnings of $35 million and them probably thinking, because all these guys at one point probably made the decision to either get away from basketball or make football their primary sport. Like a lot of the, the majority of these athletes, their first love. I mean, look at Quincy Wiggins. Quincy Wiggins was a basketball player up until last year. You know, when somebody was like, "Buddy, you can be the first pick in the NFL, or you can be a bench player in the NBA." I wonder if before time, if somebody's going to say, "Well, there's bench players in the NBA that are making more money than a second string NFLer." Now, Quincy Wiggins could be potentially the number one pick in the draft um, in five years. You know what I mean? Yeah, in in four years. Um, 
so I mean, it's a little different for somebody like. But it, a lot of the stories start at the same spot, you know, in a in a high school basketball gym. Yeah, like Jordan Tolles, I'm sure he's wondering if he's like, man, should I just have gone to the basketball team? Why not? Said, yeah, I mean, he's he's struggling to find a role in the football team. But he's like, well, I was good enough to play somewhere. And then you look at the basketball money. He's like, I can't even, I can't sniff the roster unless you're on the football team. Like, kind of wasting away over here. So, it, so that's a tough decision to make. And you mm. saw, you saw. Um, uh, the safety center fielder LSU, um, he um, just transferred out. Yes, Mo uh, Hampton. Mo Hampton. You saw him make the decision. I mean, he walked away from two and a half million, two and a half million dollars out of high school to come play football at LSU, football and baseball at LSU. Now he's in the transfer portal. Like those are life changing decisions you're making at a very young age. Yeah, no, no doubt about it, man. Um, and the money is just going up. The amount of money is just going. Through the TV. ceiling it's for the everybody. Only, yeah, it's TV. It's the only thing that people watch on TV now is live sports, in my mind. Like, That's I don't it. tune in to watch, I don't watch anything. anything on cable other than sports. That's right. Um, all right, have a, good, uh, have a good Wednesday out there. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. for Lloyd, for Noah, and uh, the rest of the crew. Uh, check back in with us 7 o'clock. Remember, everything is podcasted and brought to you by RMB Builders. We'll be out at LSU football this afternoon. We'll have a presence there. Booty calls today with Kayshawn Butte. At some point, we will have it for you up and operating here on the uh, on the Jordy Colada show. I do want to say, let's keep an eye out on Jack this summer. I mean, this fall. He's bartending now. He's working these late nights. Let's see where the weight goes. Uh-huh. Because I've seen this take a toll on people where they've, they've, they've tipped the scales at the end of a football season. They didn't know it. Because you weren't like, look what happened today or yesterday. It gets called in late night. You sleep in. Now he has to go to practice when you get that workout in. Yeah. And you're so I'm just saying, let's keep tabs on our boy. Make sure he's okay. I don't want to be eating schedules off. Oh, oh, you're eating bad food at 4 a.m. Like because you're hungry, you know. But there's nothing open, so you got to go fast food. We need to get a pre-weight date on him. Yeah, we should weigh him in. Yeah. Um. That, that could be an issue. I've seen it happen to yeah. people. And they he's look got, down at themselves. He's got like, the body type, too. Yeah, where you could put it on and not notice, and then yeah. you do. And you're like, what happened? <laughs> where did you go? What happened what, to what, me? I mean, like, goodness You gracious, thought you liked bartending. Um, all right, boys, have a good day. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 7 a.m.